Welcome to Paulas, a podcast about real life experiences from the mouths of legit working class people. Hiya! Hey up! I'm Selena. And I'm um, just a couple of Paulasses doing a podcast. It's Tuesday night, it's bake off night, so you know, we might be a little bit quicker than usual, but I don't think so because we like a good chat. You're back listening to Paulas. Let's kick things off properly. Selena, what have you had for your tea? Um, so yeah, I had a, I've had an early tea. So you know, I've had, I've had a mam tea because we've got a, a mam on the show, so I've had to have my tea at like you know, kiddie time. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's not really kiddie time, but I'm usually having my tea about now. Um, but I've had stir fry, and then I've got a apple and blackberry crumble to go in the oven post podcast to Oof. watch with um, Bake Off. Oh mate, that's yeah, the dream. Well. So I've got, like, my big shop come yesterday, right? And I've been getting into cooking stuff, as we know. But I just fancied after, like, a bit of a, bit of a long day today, and I was like, I'm going to eat a ready meal for tea. So I had a mac cheese ready meal, and it was fucking brilliant. Yes. Oh, yes. All the ready yeah. meals they get, mac and cheese is the one. In it just. It's, it's like, <clears throat> dodge, good dodge. Mm. Oh, I just want to eat it again yeah. now. And um, so... <laughs> You're probably thinking, wait a minute, there's three voices. Who was this other person on here? They weren't on the intro. <laughs> Who's that? So, we've got a very special guest today. And they are a legit middle-class person, which is crazy. Who would have thought? What direction are we going legitimate in? Legitimate middle-class person. <laughs> <laughs> Take over. Um, Before you uh, introduce yourself... Um, can you give us some facts to prove? Because I think people might think, you know, we're just taking the mick. Yeah, I've got my... our mate from down the estate to pretend to be like. <laughs> I've got my so posh you... CV. I don't want you yeah, to think I'm some you, high um... bouquet shit going on. Um, okay, here's my credentials. Yeah. Uh, my name's Kathleen. That's not yeah. inherently posh. That's not on the list. Um, I, <laughs> went... <laughs> I went to boarding school. Posh. I grew up in a converted farmhouse. My dad's got a CBE. Uh, which is um, like the same family as being a knight, but not quite there. Um, but involves going to Buckingham Palace. And um, I had horse riding lessons when I was a child. There you go. I think that'll do it. Yeah. I mean, there's and... there's more where that came from, but we've got plenty of time. For that. <laughs> so I, I think that makes you officially posh. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> so everyone out there listening, legit. Legitimate. Um, yeah, I would consider myself upper middle class just to just differentiate if that helps. Where you know there is just no blurred lines. There's no like, well, it's confusing. I'm not really like I'm very sure that I'm very upper middle class. And so. that's what we like. That's what we appreciate. <laughs> Being. Real. I mean, I mean, try spinning boarding school to not be in posh. Though, is what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, plenty do. Uh, I went to a residential school that you slept at. Um, <laughs> but like my parents worked really yeah. hard there so <laughs> yeah yeah they just prioritized education and sent me to boarding school so it's a matter of priorities really yeah i um, mean aside from being like a legit um middle class person um who, who, who are you <laughs> <laughs> we know who you are <laughs> i'm an older millennial um, I'm in my mid-30s. 
I feel like this is the year I've just given up being in touch with young people at all. So I just wanted to put that out there as well. You know, when TikTok came out and I'm just like, oh, I don't really know how to manage this. Uh, so, yeah, I'm quite old. Uh, I live in Yorkshire. Um, I work for the NHS and um, I don't know at the moment. I'm just living the lockdown life, really. Don't leave the house very much. Not much interesting to say. Oh, I do arty stuff as well. Make zines. It's a big sewing. part. <laughs> yeah. It's a big part of your vibe. You know. And I guess I've known both of you for a long time, since we were all like late teens, probably. Yeah. So I've known you both for 15 years. That so probably counts. Some good, good math there. Be all that private school. Quick math. Um, yeah. We should probably... Um, tell people why why we've got you on not just because we wanted to chat to you because you're our mate <laughs> um, but I think because I guess uh, not 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 podcasting we have lots of chats about class and this podcast is mostly about me and Em who are legit working class talking about class so we thought let's mix it up and let's get some interclasses I don't know is that a word <laughs> it'll do <laughs> Uh, discuss <laughs> it is now a term um yeah you know so we can instead of us just going on about like assuming what middle class life is and uh, like, i feel like every time you put out a poor lass I, I end up chatting with you both being like yeah yeah this is like you kind of rev- you like yeah i don't know giving you my middle class take <laughs> <laughs> um and then what we do how did I get into it? Because um, I was chatting about class on Instagram, wasn't I? And then people would... That's kind of how it led to coming on this week. I can't even remember how I got ranting about it. I think we've joked, not joked, but like we've said, oh, we'll get you on, we'll get you on. You know, I think being the poshest person that we both know, maybe. Yeah. Um, but then we're like, no, actually, we're, we're going to get you on. We're not just going to be like, we'll get you on. It'll be really Why was I kicking off, though? I'm trying to think what happened this um, week. I all... asked you a question on your asks on Instagram. Oh, yeah, that was it. Which is like, why do you think there's like an issue or enough conversation about class in the crafting community? Yeah. Everyone was like, is that you? I'm like, I mean, it was about crafting class. Who else is it going to be? <laughs> yeah. yeah, and he just went off like, on one Instagram rant. Love it. So yeah, and now you're here. Oh, this is nice. Yeah, it's got me places. I'm hoping it's going to be great for my uh, Instagram career. We can really <laughs> provide a platform for you to excel. <laughs> So I guess one of the reasons um, why we wanted to get you on Paulas as well is because in terms of like our groups of friends and stuff like that, I think class is such a difficult thing to talk about. And I don't know, I find it very easy to talk about class to other working class people, but to talk to people who aren't working class or are not sure what their identity is, brackets, that means they're not working class, is, I don't know, it's just... (laughs) It just do- it just feels awkward, and I don't know why it feels awkward, and it seems like it's awkward for middle-class people to talk about it and, and the other way around. So I guess it would be good just to have that, like Selena said earlier, just kind of like your side of things. Um, and I just think the way you deal with it, Kathleen, is like respectful, you ask the right questions, and you're not like trying to hide stuff, because that's when it just becomes weird. Because I think people honestly think that working-class people don't like... Uh, middle class or, or posh people whatever you want to call it because like they get so defensive but it's like no it's not that 
it's just that we don't like it when you pretend that you're not because <laughs> that's just fucking stupid yeah. and it's shit and it's disrespectful. Um, but like, I think I found something that. Yeah, go ahead. Just, I, I feel like I've had similar experiences in that I don't really. I think I noticed the influence of class everywhere. Um, I'm very aware of how I experience class privilege, but then, I, I, and I really want to talk about it, and then it feels like it's really hard to have those conversations, except with working class people that are already talking about it. And I feel like when I'm seeing it getting talked about, it's stuff like Paul asked that's working class people talking to each other, which is good, but it feels like sometimes, you know, like I feel like the times on Paul asked where you're you're talking about your experiences of of a topic that affects everyone but you only have the working class perspective and no one is like talking about the middle class perspective at all and yeah it just seems really like convenient that people with class privilege feel awkward talking about it so avoid the subject because it means there's just half a conversation going on you know and I find it like when talking to other middle class people that you know people get even you know when it's like it's okay everyone in this room is posh like people are super awkward and I like very very quickly feel like I'm just going on about it and like being a bit like class obsessed or whatever and it's just like it's like that weird thing where I think right in terms of like pride so you know like you can say like working class people are proud you know and Mm. you know you'll get like a tote bag or a badge like the same way that I can go around being like oh I'm black and I'm proud but if someone was like I'm white and I'm proud you'd be like whoa (laughs) you know and and it's like yeah I'm queer and I'm proud you know there's like it's like you can be proud when you're like a marginalized community but I think and class is such like one that isn't often as visible as others so it's like yeah I'm proud to be working class but then middle class people they might be proud of other things but as soon as it comes to class they're quiet yeah. and it's kind of like and I think because you, can't, it is... you can't really go around saying I'm proud to be middle class it's like and I, well I think because it is less visible it offers you the option of just keeping your head down and I think mm-hmm. that's just what nearly everyone is doing which I find infuriating and you know I think we've seen this year finally white people feeling like they have to own that the fact that they're white you know you know, like if you look at um, social media or whatever, it's like people realising that they do actually have to kind of have an opinion and appreciate that, like, racism affects them as a white person as well because it gives them privilege. And I feel like that's finally, finally happened and it's taken a lot of people a very long time to even make the baby steps. And I think class is invisible. Like, it's a similar structure of, like, oppression and power, but it's invisible, so it's kind of deniable. And just seeing, like, how many people, like, exploit that to just never mention it, even though they're, like, reaping constant privilege, I find really infuriating. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, and I think it is something, like, you say, not just even, like, keeping your head down. You can always, like, kind of appropriate it and not... You can't really call someone out being, like, you know, if someone was something like, yeah, I'm black, and you're like, you are 100% not black. You know, I know that for a fact. But I mean, not that white people don't try that, like, which is kind of incredible. (laughs) Absolutely, for anyone that's vaguely got their head screwed on, they're like figures of fun, whereas it's incredibly common and widespread with class to... I mean, I think something we'll probably get into later is it's not necessarily that people are lying, it's just that there's like a whole lot of vagueness and not mentioning stuff and, you know, someone not mentioning it, they went to private school for like 10 years that you've known them and stuff and, yeah, they're not saying that they went to state school but then just not saying anything about anything and I, I yeah it, I find it I find it frustrating and it also just seems quite self-serving because the people just deciding that they don't want to talk about this stuff for the people with privilege 
Yeah, and um, because, like, as well, it's invisible to a point. Like, obviously, more invisible than, say, race or a disability or, you know, stuff that is, like, one of those things that, that is less able to smoke and mirrors. But I think with, with class as well, you also have things like, um, you know, people do openly judge what people wear. You know, there are also... Yeah. You can sort of, like, we've talked before about having poor face. There are certain, like, faces that... You know, you're like, oh, yeah. Like, for example, I don't know what, how you're supposed to, like, discuss it, but Louis Tomlinson from 1D is from Donny, and he just has Donny face. Like, I can tell he's from Donny. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And, you know, there's things like that. And there is like face that. as well, though, isn't there? Yeah, there is, yeah. Like, those kind of, like, fine, like, cheekboned, like, horsey girls, you know? <laughs> A lot of teeth. Yeah, big teeth. teeth. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, so like, I think, so um, like, these... An aspect thereof, people just kind of skirting around it, but you know, being like emitting that information, but actually completely benefiting from the privilege of it. And really, like, I guess we still never got to the the reason as to why. Like, I know it's basically like legitimacy and clout, but like, like the fact that people would just like to assign themselves or like want to be seen to be like working class for clout, and not really still to this day, like people who were pretty political or like you know speak about often other different um issues are like strangely quiet on this stuff and i don't know it's just weird because why would you why would you not acknowledge that rather than just like going oh privilege like oh white privilege that makes me feel bad so but i can't hide that like so maybe i'll just try and hide my class yeah have to do the bare minimum yeah but while not really like appreciating actually that every like a working class person just to get to school sometimes or, like, just to buy bloody, like, sanitary towels or, do you know, like, very real things. You want to just be so disrespectful yeah. that you're going to pretend uh, and smoke well, and mirrors that the, stuff. The crux of it, it's not about... I mean, it's funny comparing our childhoods and stuff because they're obviously wildly different and, like, there is humour there as well as all the other stuff, but it's not that our experience of class is this thing when we were kids and now it's different and we're all on a level playing field because class does continue to like, you know, it permeates the rest of your life, whether you want it to or not, you know, Mm. and like you can feel as awkward as you want about the fact that you have class privilege, but you're going to continue to benefit from it. Um, So I think that's, that's the crux of what's frustrating is that people very much opt out of that conversation, but continue to reap the benefits of having class privilege. They just don't want to talk about it. It just seems like very convenient yeah i definitely think uh, it like you said i think people see it as something that you grow out of or you can you change so like i feel like a lot of people who i know in adult life well there was like lots of scenes i was in probably just assumed there was nobody working class there yeah. and it's kind of like you get to a teenager and there's two routes you can take you can carry on being working class or you can transcend your class whether that yeah. is by like going to university or having a good job and all that which is completely not a bullshit and like you're saying so I think like now as adults like on the surface we could all be like like oh yeah you're all like the same class you know yeah you, you know but it's kind of like like you said it isn't just like well growing up you know I had to buy no frills quick save food lol aha you know like I said and I think maybe because as you as you get older for a lot of people it's not as visible and therefore that creates this kind of thing where people just don't talk about it in the mm. hopes that nobody calls them out on it or whatever but i also feel as we've all three of us have kind of hit our like mid-30s if if anything it comes back into focus more 
because people start buying houses or not buying houses and, you know, making job decisions and kid decisions. And, you know, if anything, I think class, I'm probably, you know, like wielding more class privilege in the last few years than I did throughout my 20s. You know, my 20s, I just did, did what I wanted, didn't have much contact with my parents, didn't have financial support from them. But, you know, come my 30s, suddenly I'm getting helped by the house. and I, Yeah, I definitely you know, think buying a house is definitely is a, a major, like, mid-30s class um, kind of signifier. Even yeah. that, that stupid advert where they're just like, oh, mum and dad have given me some money. And I'm like, do you think either yeah. of my parents even own a property? Do you think they even yeah. got any money? <laughs> it's like, yeah, totally. No. <laughs> so I think there's yeah. this illusion that, you, you know there's this kind of illusion that it doesn't matter all that much but actually like in the long term it it kicks back in stronger than ever and and then that starts to then influence the next generation and that's how it passes down into like the whole deal with class privileges is like inherited whether that's wealth or culture or whatever it's something that perpetuates like a cycle through the generations just i feel like the more time goes on the more i see like the class divide amongst people I know I, I see middle class people just setting themselves up as the next generation of middle class like parents do you know what I mean when it comes to like careers as well you know I, I think a lot of people don't really realize that the decisions of well I say in, like inverted commas decisions about what to train in and what things to study um, and all that sort of stuff there is so much inherent class stuff within that as well so like for example you know, we've we've talked before about um, taking school seriously or, like, even just attending school yeah. or being at school. Yeah. Like, your catchment area, as we all know, is, like, a big deal. And, you know, the best schools are not in council estate catchment areas often for 10 million different yeah. reasons. So it's, like, from day one, like, you can't really change those things that have happened in, like, formative years or, like, you know, the main years of your life. Like... Obviously, if you go to a crap school, you're not going to get really good GCSE results. Or, like, if you've got yeah. nobody to help you with your homework at home, you're not going to be able yeah. to, to do better. Like, And at that point, you're already a bit too far. Then you don't get into uni, and then you're like, oh, well, uh, these are my options. Like, all the way through, it's, it's almost like slicing people out of the picture of that pie. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you're even less yeah, opportunities. Well, they, they say they think, like, before, like, by the time kids start primary school, like, so much stuff is predetermined. Yeah, and I which think, is you know pretty bleak, isn't it? And that's one of the things you know, alongside things like buying a house and and constantly like through each generation being set up, it totally impacts what choices you make in your career. Whether you choose to retrain, for example, whether you just think, oh, I don't really like this one, like I'm going to go and retrain and I'm going to do a an open university degree, which is like X amount of thousand pound <laughs> or whatever. Is yeah. there's all these different like pitfalls? Do you know what I mean? Like to get to the finish line, kind of thing. Um, so it's it's always like an impact, and definitely, I think you like you said before, with in your twenties, I think everybody's just kind of doing whatever they can, chancing it, you know, doing doing whatever. Like your thirties, shit gets real, doesn't it? You're like, right, what do I want? Do I want to own property? Do I want to like work towards a specific career or like I don't know? It yeah. becomes a lot more something that maybe you talk about more <laughs> openly. I guess I think at this age everyone assumes that you're like you were saying on that level playing field so they'll openly just start talking about all these things assuming that is like an option for you and that and then that's when I think class becomes um, more noticeable you know people's been like oh well I'm gonna do this I'm gonna do that I'm like well I'm just gonna stay living at home because um, that's my option <laughs> you know so I think it, it, it 
like you were saying, Kathleen, you can't, you've started to notice the class divide even more. I think as you've gotten older. Did you do you have you got a point in time when you were aware of your class? Uh, we've discussed about when we were when we realised yeah. we were like working class. Um, I mean, I lived. I think, I think something else that is like not necessarily obvious from the outside is that you know everyone's people tend to be in the class bubble. So when I was a kid, every, everyone was posh. So I lived in London for the first six years of my life. Every, everyone was posh. You know, my family's all middle class. All our neighbours were like middle class. All I went to um, a private school, so everyone you know that was just what school was so I, you know you just think that's normal don't you when you when yeah. you're a little kid so then we moved to Lancashire when I was six um and I was signed up for a private school but they didn't have a place we moved in the middle of the school year so I went to the like local like Church of England primary school for like you know two-thirds of the year um, and then trained, then went to the posh school the next year. So I had this weird, like, middle, like, period of time where I was just actually suddenly in, like, a normal, like, working class state primary school. So I I, I was only six, so I didn't really, um, you know, you're pretty oblivious, aren't you? But I remember, like, everyone had Lancashire accents, which I just, like, never even come across an accent before. <laughs> <laughs> What's this? Yeah, and also like dialect, like they call like lorries, wagons, and stuff, and they call cars motor cars. It's like pretty old school. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, so I guess I realised things were different then, but I'm still pretty, pretty oblivious. And looking back, it's like wow, yeah, like I must have stuck out like a sore thumb at this like little village primary school, and this like London posh kid turns up while she's waiting for a place at the private school. Like oh god. So yeah, then I then I like went to. Um, got moved to private school for the next school year and then it, there was this awkwardness then with the kids that I'd been at normal school with like I remember once um, my mum had I think because my little sister went, went there for a little bit but like we she'd driven me to like go and pick up my sister and all my old mates from that primary school were like hanging over the school wall like hi hi okay you're all right and I just was like I froze and I just felt super super awkward and I was too like embarrassed to put the window down and then once I hadn't put the window down I was just like sat there ignoring them and my mum wasn't coming out and it was just this like super cringe situation. Um, and yeah, so there was this weird like, you know, I was only like six, seven, eight, but like there's this weird tension there already, even if you can't quite name it. Um, yeah, so then, sure. yeah, so uh, then I went to that posh school for a couple of years and then I moved to even posher boarding school when I was 10 and went there for four years. And yeah, I think you like know that boarding school is posh, but also like everyone you know goes to boarding school. <laughs> but I guess like when I that's when I became aware of like the other, which was like there was a state school at the bottom of the playing fields and stuff, and we were all really scared of them. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, other than that, my contact with working class people was really like, yeah, I guess like around a bit in the village when I was at home, but like on telly. Like reading Jacqueline yeah, Wilson books. Like, if you're in like boarding school as well, it's not even like you go to school, then every other part of your life is like outside of school. Yeah, so it's you're like mixing with other people. It's deep immersion. Although actually, even if you went to a day school, you you would probably hang out with your posh friends, and you probably would be doing like if you were doing extracurricular stuff, it would be posh stuff. Do you know what I mean? Like you'd be playing posh sports. Like you know, there was lacrosse, huge. I don't know. Is that lacrosse? <laughs> I, 
at posher schools, they played lacrosse. I'm, I'm going to get on to like the different like levels of posh, but like we were not that posh, but still pretty <laughs> posh. Um, but yeah, I think it's important to remember that like, especially that like this country is so cost divided, you know, and actually there's not many places I don't think where like private and state school kids mix and private schools create this whole world where everyone is posh. Um, and actually it's only like less than 10% of kids that go to private schools, but like for those kids, everyone they know goes and it's very easy to like grow up. That's your whole school career. Then you go to uni all your uni friends are posh and then you start your job and then you just live your whole life where everyone's posh. And it's like, how, how do you know anything about anything really? You know, you can literally never be friends with a working class person. You just live your whole life. Trying to think who I know in my life who went to private school and, like, I know. And I think side for me, it's just people I work with, but then also I'm, like, nearly 20 years older than a lot of them. Yeah. (laughs) So I mean, you know, there are people that make it out, obviously, but, like... Make it out. (laughs) But, you know, (laughs) I guess, you know, make it out the bubble... But like, for, I just feel like for every private school person you meet, there's like five more that are off in their like private school world, even if they're our age, you know. Yeah, I guess it depends on like, especially like where you go to university. Yeah. Um, I'm, I was going to say if you go to university, but I mean, <laughs> come on, <laughs> I'm getting serious. Yeah, because <laughs> even at, at uh, universities where there's a, a reasonable number of state school kids, like the posh kids will. Gravitate towards each other, you yeah. know. They'll just be cliques of them. You, you see them around at university and stuff, especially if you go somewhere like fucking Oxbridge, or like one of the kind of old top tier universities. Then you just find your people, you gravitate towards them, and then it all continues, you know. Mate, do you think like you know when you said about um there were like the state school kids and you were scared of them? Yeah. Did that like? Yeah. <laughs> did that like impact on you thinking do you, like is there a consensus or something that like like working class people are like aggressive or out to get you in some way oh yeah and part, i mean partly they were because fucking who wouldn't <laughs> <laughs> you know you got a load of fucking posh kids like wandering around in their designer clothes like of course you're gonna like take the piss out of them do you know what i mean it's like you know so there was like gangs of kids that would you know shower at you or something but yeah like people were really intimidated by i've told you this before but it's it's it makes me cringe all the way inside out um but we call them kevs <laughs> I so, love this. you know <laughs> yeah so because um you know working class boys in the late 1990s are all called kevin apparently which we called them kevs um and you know gangs of kevs and stuff and there was just like so much awful yeah, there was just this horrible like tension between the Kevs and um and us. The Kevs, and, man. Yeah. <laughs> I don't and know then, one yeah, person called Kev. <laughs> I swear there weren't even a Kev in my whole school. On, like, is it based on Harry Enfield? I don't know. I think I it think must it, be like Kevin and Perry. Yeah, it must be. I mean, it's just like it's I would like, just go with a couple of Kevins. It, it's balls out classist. It's so embarrassing, and I think that's what winds <laughs> me up when I hear like posh people being like. I don't know, just so not copying. To st- There's so much stuff like that that's just overtly classist that people just don't talk about. And, you know, like my experience of going to posh school is so much being groomed to be like posh and confident and dominant and 
think working class people is shit and it's just like I don't know it just seems like very convenient that that doesn't get talked about because yeah my experience is it's like extremely overt what and gross. Do, what do you think like it was your I guess preconceived idea then you know in that time when you were kind of in that bubble for a while um you know yeah. why did you think that do you like that phrase how the other half live right what what did yeah. you think about working class people like did you have any thoughts about why they were in like the the life that they had do you like for example you know when people will say that it's like politicians and stuff say that working class people are lazy or whatever did you have any mm. like things like that was that kind of the general I've... thing I don't think I made I like thought about it that deeply because I left that school when I was thirteen, which, which was the best fucking thing that ever happened to me. And I think I like had a lot of preconceptions about working class people, but didn't hadn't really thought about why. I very much there was a very like constant narrative at posh school of like, well, it's not my fault that my dad works hard and makes lots of money, and like this really <laughs> defensive like, you know, the kids hate us, but it's not my fault that my dad's <laughs> worked really hard and worked his way up, and you know, like it was very much like not really thinking very deeply about it it was just this defensive like they hate us but you know we haven't done anything wrong it's not my fault that I go to a private school independent school that's what they all call it it's not my fault I go to an independent school um so I don't think I'd thought about it that deeply like and I don't think I'd thought about it like deeply enough to pick up those I guess more like those deeper stereotypes those kind of right-wing talking points that you get when you're older about like you know single parents or like too many kids or lack of you know like laziness or whatever like I don't think there was that necessarily I think it was just this super reactive like like they hate us and it's not fair yeah I guess the basic level yeah kind of like you hate us so we we don't like you yeah (laughs) but when I left because I left and went to a state school but it was a grammar school so still quite posh. So it's selective and it's, it skews middle class because like it's a way that middle class people game the system is they send their kids to a selective state school. So they still get free education, but it's like, um, yeah, it's skewed middle class. So I went, I moved back home and went there, but I was, t- I was like legitimately terrified. Like I thought he was, g- I'm trying to think what my um, point of reference was. Was it Grange Hill? What, or by, to... Grange Hill or Biker Grove, you know, like <laughs> you know, like set in school, and there's like some of the kids are dead rough and do drugs yeah. and stuff and fight. I literally was like, I remember the summer before I started, just being like, I'm, you know, shit scared. And, and people at posh school were like, Oh my god, are you going to become like a kev? And at that <laughs> point, I, I, was, I left, I left posh school because I was bullied so badly. Um, so at that point, I was like, I don't even care. Like, I'll fucking be at Kev. That's fine. <laughs> I just need to get out of here. But people are like, oh, my God, you're going to, like, wear kappa. Going to, like, wear kappa tracksuits and stuff. Did you, though? And, yeah, funnily enough, when you start at grammar school, then actually there's a selection of people because not everyone is a Kev in a kappa tracksuit. Oh, mate, Although, I'd love to see it. Yeah. I mean... I guess that then was like kind of um, a good starting point for you to kind of assess your class because I bet like not long after that was kind of when you were 
got a bit more political anyway, I imagine. Yeah, I think 14 is like a very... I'm so glad I didn't stay in that posh environment beyond like 13 because I, I knew it was fucked, although that was also very tied in with being bullied. Like, mm. you know, I also have, a, you know, it's hard to sometimes pick apart what is like my own personal unhappiness and what is like this, how toxic that environment was. But yeah, I'm so glad I didn't stay there any longer because yeah, 14 is when you start to figure stuff out. And actually I was figuring that out in this environment that while it was still a grammar school, it was just like, I, I can't explain how different it was just culturally. Like boarding school was very like sports dominated. If you were good at sports, you were popular. Um, it was all about like brands. You had to have the right brands and stuff like that. And yeah, just moving to school when no one gave a fuck about that was, like, really, really good. <laughs> and also, yeah, just it was more of a mix of people, like, and, yeah, I had I got in with a group of friends, which was the first time ever. Like, I'd had mates at posh school, but it all been, like, really, like, fucked up and tied in with being bullied and stuff. And then, like, within a month at normal school, I had, a, there was, like, a gang of seven of us that used to hang out. And, you know, that was amazing to actually have some friends. But also, like, yeah, they were mostly working class and then that that's pretty like just getting outside of that bubble is super formative I think and then yeah later on I started to get kind of into my politics and, and I guess understand the like power structures behind it a little bit but just having a few years of just going around to your mate's house and they don't live in a fucking mansion and like you know just kind of having the ears and eyes open and realizing that life is like not the same for everyone I think is yeah it's pretty formative into is that something that yeah, you worked through like on your own and thought yourself or were you able to talk to those new friends about this stuff? I don't know. I'm trying to think. I wonder like if I... they were like, oh, you've come from the posh school, even yeah, though they were, them, never... they were probably in posh school. Yeah. Yeah, they were never, I don't know. No, no one was ever dicked to me about it, which is quite astonishing, really. Um, like there just wasn't the bullying problem that there was at posh school, interestingly. People kind of just let you get on with it. Um, yeah, like, I don't know, people were just, like, really welcoming and, like, weren't... I'm trying to think how we talked about it. I, I don't know how I talked about having been to boarding school because I didn't know anyone else that had been, like... There was a couple of people that had been to private school and, like, left and stuff, but I was a bit of an outlier. But, yeah, I don't know. I think it is one of those like, misconceptions, remember... though, isn't it? Like, it, you know, not every working class person is like, God, they're posh, what a dick, I don't like them. Like, working yeah. class people can be very... Yeah, uh... yeah like... I, I mean, think... I also didn't... I didn't come in like, hi, guys, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like... I definitely was very, like, self-conscious about being being posh, I guess, by that point, and was keeping my head down to an extent. So I wasn't, like, obnoxiously... Like, I don't think since being a kid I've, I've ever been like that kind of un, like completely oblivious posh person that you know you sit next to them on the train and you're just like oh my god yeah you know there's a group of posh like... teenagers and they're just like oh my god harriet tell us about that thing that happened at the... oh my god it was so funny henry henry you have to listen to this and you just sit next to them just like <laughs> oh my god like fucking dial it back so i guess i never I would... did that maybe if you're like that then you have experience of people kind of side-eyeing you but I wonder if, like, you know, because you went to the primary school f prior while you were waiting and you were saying about when you were in the car, I wonder if, like, you already knew that, like, you were going to a... Because obviously then when you went to um, boarding school, that was very different, kind of selling out all your other mates in primary school. Yeah. Um, and then I kind think of, I was like, really like, happy to... Back. 
I think I was quite happy to be somewhere more normal. Yeah. Like I think I think I just hated posh school so much by that point that I was just so relieved to get away and like be a bit more normal and yeah, I don't know. Did it's you... one of the things that were different. Like, I'm... sorry, go oh, ahead. Sorry. Just when I started, everyone had jobs, and I was just like, "Fuck, I need a job." I'm embarrassed to just like sit around on the weekends. My mates were working on the market, so like, yeah, I went and got, <laughs> went and got a job. <laughs> Worked in the gift right. shop and stuff, and I think very quickly was just like, "Yeah, I, this is you know, I kind of want to fit in, and I also want to have my own money, and I don't want to have my allowance and." I don't know, just little things like that and just realising that, I guess the, not commitments other people had, but, you know, my friends, if they were going to buy themselves clothes, then they were going to go and earn the money and not just get given an allowance and stuff. And that I kind of really wanted to get in on that. Like, I think I was very self-conscious about not having a job and stuff. So I got a job when I was 14, you know, just like a Saturday job, but... What was yeah. the reaction to like like how was it played out in your house with your parents and that of do you know going to a school that was like I don't know a different vibe school right so you you were given like the places in the posh schools was there ever a conversation that was right well if you move to that school like your education might suffer or like oh that that might be a negative thing was was there ever that in your house or was it more just led by well, what you wanted to do when I wanted to leave like I did go and look around this other like so it was it was a local posh very posh school um so it wasn't boarding so I would have been a day pupil um but it was in like super posh like it's run by Jesuit priests and stuff so I went and did a taster day there when I was like still at boarding school but like needed to leave because I was so unhappy and I was just like this is fucking like awful like I just fucking no way it, it was like an all boys school and it, it started accepting girls like a couple of years previously. So there was like four girls in this whole school year and the rest oh, was boys. And it was like, it was like proper Hogwarts. And I think I just, by that point was just like, fuck this shit. Like, no. So. And was that okay? The school was. Was that okay that you could just like choose a different school? Were your parents okay I, with that? I get, I guess so. I mean, it was definitely a hill I would have died on by that point. Like I did kind of <laughs> know my own mind. By that point, I guess, like, and then when I went to look around the grammar, it was just like, this is fine. And I think for my parents, it was acceptable because, you know, I am like, you know, they still have above average grades and stuff like that. And to be honest, they probably thought I'd do quite well, you know, like universities are trying to accept more state school kids, aren't they? So, you know, they probably think that I'm going to get in on that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, see, like, it's like it's not gonna, you know, it's not gonna like kill your education. Yeah, because actually, yeah, actually, it looks great if you come from a state school these days. So there's probably <laughs> a bit of that going on. <laughs> it's like um, you tried really hard, but I can't really remember the actual conversations we had about it. And then once I'd moved, like, uh, it's not something we really talked about. I mean, yeah, I mean, my my family is very dysfunctional. My, like, my dad was working away Monday to Friday. My brother, older brother was still at, at boarding school. Um, So there wasn't, yeah, it wasn't something we really, like, discussed or processed in any way. The school, the subject of schooling and education, um, like, is obviously something that probably, because you, you are now a parent. Mm. Um, which probably changes a lot. And I've spoken to like 
working class relatives and friends who have become parents and things like that um and like have you thought about class in terms of parenting especially as because you you're raising a child with someone who is working class yeah um, like and i know like as soon as some, someone like has a, a child in the womb people are like we need to get them to a good school we need to move yeah. to this area like it's like a huge thing now yeah and i want and obviously i think because you've had you've had such a shit time in in posh school like you, you know you never you'd never want to send your child there yeah because um, there, there is that other there's it, it's weird because i like kind of politically object to private schooling but i also have you know personal experience of it being very horrible so it's a bit of a weird mixture sometimes of like emotional and like uh you know like political if that makes sense so um, yeah. but yeah in terms of of yeah i definitely think about it a lot um yeah and i i don't know it's com- it's very complicated i think partly yeah the whole issue of like interclass relationships is interesting like my partner's working class it's something we talked about a lot when we first got together because it's a you know a, there's a pretty extreme like gap between us in terms of our experiences and and backgrounds and families and stuff you know like taking them to meet my parents for the first time is, is so stressful like so stressful and very in one in it, very like in one way like I don't give a shit what they think of my partner like that's I, you know I don't care about their opinion um but in terms of like displaying the extent of my class privilege to a, a fairly new partner was was really you know you t- there totally is that um instinct to just be vague about it and to hide it and stuff but like if you're going to settle down with someone you kind of you know have to yeah, just own I, it really I do wonder because I've had lots of lots of conversations with people like you know you know, I've got friends that are middle class, but their parents were kind of working class. Or, like, you know, my partner's, like, middle class. And I've had conversations with friends who who have partners who are middle class and they're working class. And it's like, you know, with someone like me, obviously, it's like one of the first things. Yeah, I'm, by the way, I'm working class. You know, <laughs> yeah. Like but I'm like, you know, I wonder if there's, like, people that are in relationships that don't realise until, like, the point where you go, let's meet my parents, and then you're rolling up on your And then you're like, like oh, wow, okay, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and, and like I, think- I, f- I fully believe that there's posh people that will let let that happen, you know, because they're just so keen to avoid it. The subject will just let it go unspoken until suddenly, like, their working class partner is sitting at a fucking dinner party, like, what the fuck? <laughs> Do you know what <laughs> I mean? Like- Rather than have that conversation, they'll just let it play out. Like, I think it should even be a disclaimer with friends. You know, I'd like to know where I'm going, you know, before, because I instantly would feel different if I went to someone's home and I was like it was like how you know at Christmas and I think even like during lockdown you've noticed that people have like these really fancy houses you know yeah. people go back home for Christmas and you're like oh cute your trees bigger than the, in the background <laughs> yeah and you're like okay okay right this, yeah. this is new information um so I think like I don't know I think it should be like something that you you just say by the way this is what this is where we're going you know I would need to know where I'm rolling up to so yeah. I can prepare myself. Don't get your head in the zone. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Well, the first time I took fa- t- took my partner to meet my uh, parents, so they moved house, um, like, I don't know, four or five years ago. Um, so we grew up in a, a converted farmhouse in Lancashire. So we moved, basically moved from the city to a converted farmhouse, like living the rural dream. And then, um, yeah, a few years ago, like quite suddenly, they announced that they'd bought a house in the Lake District and were moving there, which was like a total wild card. 
And I was like, okay, well, I mean, I know they'll have bought something expensive because they're rich, but like, I was imagining like some nice like slate cottage with a beautiful view or something. Um, yeah. So then we drove there. So my partner was meeting for the first time. We were visiting this house for the first time. Didn't really know anything about it, and the whole way there, I'd just been like prepping them. And, you know, seeking reassurance that I wasn't going to get dumped for being, like, embarrassingly posh or whatever. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and then told the end drive on this, like, country road. Because, you know, it doesn't have a house number. It's got a fucking name. Do you know what I mean? So Wait, you don't know, like, how far away you are. You're just looking out for the name fucking name tag. Yeah, so every house we drove past, like, this is it. No, it's not it. Is this not it? And then, yeah, we turn off the main road. And it's like, oh, whoa, okay, this is quite big. And it's like, oh no, that's the uh, that's the odd gatehouse, um, <gasps> <laughs> which is now like owned by someone else. But yeah, then you went down this fucking lane, and then it just like opened <laughs> up, and it's just this fucking. We call it Downton Abbey. It's ridiculous. Uh, yeah, and it was just like, I yeah, here we go. <laughs> you know, my parents are stood outside with the Labradors, and like, <laughs> it's just like, yeah, it's a lot. So. Yeah, I think it's it's always been something we've chatted about and it's always been like very clear. Um, but yeah, having a kid, you're kind of... I guess having a kid makes me realise how like bound into the class system I am whether I, and whether I want to be or not. And I think in my 20s, I had a bit of an illusion of like, yeah, but you know, I'm having my own life now. And as you get older, you realise that actually you are still like trapped in that hierarchy. Um yeah, and also, you know, I think about it a lot in terms of, like, well, what will my kid identify as? I mean, if he's a punk, I'm sure he'll tell everyone that he's working class because his dad's from Gateshead. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, conveniently forget Downton Abbey exists. I was going to say, he's going to, like, have great awareness because he'll be like, when you go to whichever set of grandparents yeah. you go and visit, it's going to be very different. Yeah, it um, is. Which I never had that. Because on both my sides, it was quite like... Like, I feel like, you know... I felt a bit posher going to my mum's grandparents because they lived somewhere quite quiet as opposed to my dad's um, parents who just lived on the other side of Manchester. So it was inner city, but because I was going somewhere fancy with like fields and stuff, I was like, I'm a bit posh. Uh, I knew it wasn't posh, but this was posh. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like when, you know, like obviously not as, as a kid kid, but as he gets older, he'll be like, yeah, this is, this is a bit different. Yeah, and it's something we talked about a lot when we were talking about having a kid, like before I was even pregnant. Um yeah, it was just kind of how to manage that. Because, you know, I guess the fear is like, well, what if he prefers going to my parents because they've got a big garden and my dad's got a ride on lawnmower that he can go on. And, you know, I guess my fear is that, you know, kids can be like pretty, pretty easily swayed by stuff, can't they? Yeah. And so, and then, but also, how do we talk about that? And I, it's interesting. I've been thinking about it this week because it's Black History Month and CBeebies has got like loads loads on, the on it um yeah in between programs they're like talking about like you know notable black people and stuff and i've started talking to my kid about it he's free and you know gets it to an extent but like we've started having those conversations and i've i think especially knowing i'm coming on this podcast it's like how do we talk to him about class like especially i think especially knowing that he's liable to kind of parrot anything we say like at school or to relatives or whatever and it's like how do you give a kid like class consciousness without it just coming across i don't know when yeah, like adults some talk people about don't it. have money to buy food and some do yeah <laughs> like... yeah yeah but and then what if he's at nursery and he's like oh 
can you not buy food? My mummy says some people can't. Do you know what I mean? It seems like <laughs> yeah. adults struggle to talk about this stuff. So, But then I also don't want to, you know, it seems important to talk about. And I can imagine there will be questions in the future about, you know, the, the clear difference between, like, two halves of his family. Yeah. Um, and then also I think... Be... Sorry, I'm just talking all the time. Yeah, I think on. just the, the, the logistics of having a kid also like bringing loads of class stuff like so we um we bought a house when he was like six months old and like it's always it's always been on the table that I could basically like my parents would help out buying a house and I just was like too cool for it and was just like no I'm sorting myself out and then suddenly wanting a bit more stability like it kind of tipped the balance and so that happened um and then, yeah, and then when we were looking for houses, people are like to, to ask us about schools and catchment areas and stuff. And it's like, you fucking kidding me? My, si- my kid is six months old. And then just realizing how much of, you know, and that was like middle class friends who were also like dead lefty. And I've known for 10 years plus through kind of like far left, like anti capitalist scenes. But turns out everyone is like slyly eyeing up living in the right place for the right school that all the middle class kids go to. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I think people move before they even have kids these days, which is like... Yeah, they do. Yeah, and it's like... And I don't know, just no, realising that everyone has been, like, kind of quietly eyeing up that stuff for years, I found a bit unnerving, really. And I mean, I think there's also, also, like, where we live, we talked a lot about gentrification and, like, we live on the border of Chapel Town in Leeds, which is, like, uh, kind of historically, like, Afro-Caribbean community living here. And then Hare Hills is next to us, which is... Um, like South Asian and Eastern European and stuff. And so I, I was thinking a lot about gentrification when we were looking at houses, because there were some houses that were clearly getting like flipped. So they'd been bought. And then within a year, you know, like had had a mustard feature wall painted and <laughs> like some, you know, <laughs> looked like a Pinterest board. And then, you know, like going to look around them and then, you know, that they, they people were middle class couple that had bought it were making like 60 grand profit and like you'd go for an open day and everyone was like white middle-class couples with a young kid in their 30s you know like I remember going to look at this one around the corner from where we were renting and like in the hallway everyone had taken their shoes off and it was just a row of like fucking Doc Martens and black vans it was just like, oh my <laughs> gosh, like yeah, this is the demographic but you know so I think like between buying a house and having a kid it makes you kind of like it makes it clear where you stand class-wise, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I was just going to ask Em how um, how she's found it in inter, inter-class, many phrase I've just coined, inter-class uh, dating. That's it <laughs> I feel like that's something you'd read out on an article. <laughs> well, like, yeah. What, what do you mean specifically? Tell, tell me what you're thinking. No, I think just because I was thinking, talking, like, Obviously, like I know a lot of couples that are. I'm just thinking of all the couples that I know, like all the <laughs> people that have partners, and I think majority of them are like one working class person and one middle class person, <laughs> including like myself. Um, and yeah, it, how that how that how that feels from a from a working class perspective. Well, so me and Kathleen were talking about this the other day, and I think for me, there's there's a clear line. I started out dating other working class people um, and then after like my first year at uni, that was it. There was a line drawn 
And I was trying to pick apart, like, why that is, because in my head I'm like, well, I don't like all these different aspects of, like... I know, obviously, in hindsight, there's loads of shit that you can say about your previous relationships, but there were certain ones where things that really bothered me were class stuff. So, really, on paper, I'm like, yeah, I just want to date an absolute rough lad. Like, that's what I want. Do you know what I mean? I I just want a rough lad. But I guess the reality of it is that, like, when I first started dating people the people that around me were working class and then the more that I sort of got into like um like different cultures and being in uni and do you know like I guess the the types of scenes and stuff of people that you hang around with start becoming different and honestly I I would love to meet somebody who likes all the same sort of stuff as me you know it's like politically bang on all that kind of good stuff but I, I just don't know where they are maybe this is a dating thing maybe I'm like hey if you're listening and you like me maybe you could give me a dm babes but like do you know what I mean like I just don't know we need to invent an app working like an class app, babes you know, for like working class people looking for other rebos. yeah <laughs> looking for others I do I mean, think I've... like you're saying like it, it, the circles you you move in the circles you move in that sounds stupid but I think because we've all been like kind of part of the same similar scene um which is heavily middle class probably Mm. hasn't hasn't helped in your search for a rough lad there yeah I know I I think that's the problem when it is dominated by middle class people I mean it's a more frivolous (laughs) example but it you remember going out on the gay scene when you know when I was younger and then just being like everyone is just really normie it's just like I want a queer punk and it's not that I mean obviously now everyone on Tumblr is queer or whatever but like 15 years ago trying to find queer punks was like extremely difficult and it's like that you know if you're in a scene that you're already I don't know like the DIY scene is already like this little subculture it's middle class dominated so trying to find like your people I within as well even though I'm fully aware that that seems very middle class dominated it goes back to that thing that you know people who are like you say like politically bang on or you know quite liberal or whatever often the first people that don't admit or own up or you know take ownership of their class so like you could enter a friendship or a relationship just assuming that someone was working class because that's the Ooh, kind of been vibe there, pal. Enough, like we said at the beginning. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think like, so I think it, like somebody asked us like, why do you think that people who are like so kind of bang on with everything else don't even speak about class or acknowledge class? And I think like, as we said at the start, it's because they don't, they don't want to or like then they're just like waiting so it's like if I don't get found out like found out that I'm not Mm. working I just won't mention it I do think within this within this scene there is like clout in having in being an underdog Mm. like and I think it's in a bit of a way that's like a weird you know like I'm I, I can't speak about class in the world of like high-powered lawyers or whatever and I'm sure you know that's a whole other thing but I think specifically my experience of this kind of subculture I've been in for like more than 15 years is that there, there is this weird like clout associated with it's just a lot easier to be I guess proud of something that is like a point of oppression than to kind of own something that's a point of privilege which I think is where this like total cliche of like white queers comes from where like or middle class white queers where like queer, their queerness is their like def- defining political struggle and like 
Yeah, like that, um, that meme I love to bring out all the time of oh, like yeah. the plaster <laughs> putting over being racist. <laughs> oh, I'm queer, you know, white person putting a plaster over queer. Oh, that covers my, my absolves my racism. Yeah, and um, it's like, you know, I experience oppression, so like actually I'm oppressed and like everyone needs to talk about this specific oppression and stuff. And it's like, it is harder to like talk from a position of privilege, you know, and it's like, you look how much difficulty people have talking about being white and having white privilege, you know, it's like people make a mass, you know, there's so much kind of flailing around on that subject. So I think that, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's difficult. It's a bit embarrassing. It, you'd feel a lot fucking cooler if you weren't really posh. <laughs> but like, that's just um, so, you know, crap though, isn't it? Like that's so, it's such a crap thing. Like that. Oh no, I'm embarrassed about, being posh but then other people like literally will never make more than a certain amount of money or will rent their whole lives or you know will have to deal with like levels of violence or all this sort of stuff and people are just still like oh well god that's cringy it reduces it to this like aesthetic thing doesn't it like yeah and I I think that that's what I find infuriating is like you're you're still benefiting it from it and it's really like yeah, it's a really massive thing. It's not just about being a bit embarrassed that you went to private school. It's like, yeah, but what does it actually mean to have gone to private school? And like, I think there's lots of people love to talk about being skin. We've said that this time and time again, you yeah. know, like being skin at uni or being skin in your 30s. Being skin in your 30s means, oh, I've not bought a house yet or whatever. Mm. I don't know. Well, um, I haven't bought a house, like, and so now I can't afford to, you know, <laughs> do anything else. Like, but that doesn't equate with being working class. And I think. This is, um, I actually thought, there's something I thought I might, I might bring up the other day, actually, I have to remember, um, kind of like, I don't I don't really know as many people the other day, but a perfect example, so we were watching, we love watching them, well, my mum loves watching them kind of like, can't pay, we'll take it away. Why do, why do people who, like, I've had bailiffs, but I love watching that shit, I don't know. Um, I think she fancies one of the people, I do, but yeah, can't pay, we'll take it away type things. And then there was, like, these squatters in Bristol, Oh, um, and I just remember we were watching it, but they were all posh, obviously. Of course, uh, a Bristol B squatters, hello. Perfectly overlapping Venn diagram of posh people. Exactly. My brother probably has never met like a. I mean, I've probably been in a room with like a Bristol squatter, but he's never met any of these. He was like, oh, Bristol, Cinemore, Cinemore, you know, he was like, he knew. And obviously, yeah, I get that, like, there's this weird side of like the subculture I've been in where kind of like squatting you know is a thing squatting yeah. is a thing um i'm i'm not explaining myself but i think you know what i'm trying to say kathleen um and then there's obviously people who are like uh genuinely homeless who live in a squat and i think possibly in my 20s i remember i was always like like why did people assume that poor people want to live in a squat like yeah. choose to live in a squat if you know what i mean yeah. like, that's like my I want, I want carpets and central heating you know i want, I want this decadent life well i think it's that that fetishization of poverty isn't it and i say yeah. this as someone that i have lived in squats like i was a squatter i've used to dress really scruffy i was on the dole like yeah i've kind of was like a bit of a crusty punk which is like very much a scene around looking like totally filthy and not working and stuff and you know like glorification of like shoplifting and scams and like it's funny like i feel like the scene we know each other from is maybe like a little bit smarter um and people tend to have jobs and stuff but i've been in scenes that were like totally like i lived in barcelona for a while everyone was squatting everyone was posh everyone's clothes were falling apart and it was just like rich kids just playing at it really 
you know, there was there was like an, a political ideology underpinning it all about how terrible capitalism was. But looking back, it just makes me feel a bit ill that I was like so oblivious to how differently that reads to people without, you know, because we were all rebelling against like, you know, affluent materialistic upbringings or whatever. But like we've just no awareness of how that would read to people about that. <laughs> that is just crazy, yeah. isn't it? Rebelling I against it. <laughs> articulated what I was trying to say. Well, I think it's rebelling <laughs> against a certain like privileged experience without realizing that your experience is like specifically like quite niche. And I, I see it a bit with some alternative parenting and relationships and stuff. I think me and Selena have talked about this before of meeting kind of people doing like you know progressive or alternative parenting and they were like yeah it doesn't have to just be about like living in the suburbs and like the woman doing all the cleaning and the dad going out to work and you know the kid just having to sit in school and be but and it's just like that's a very like actually like a very specifically like middle class experience that you're rebelling against and stuff and I think we've talked about it before of like almost this presumption that everyone grew up in like this middle class suburban nuclear family and it's like that's not a lot of people's experience and stuff so if if all of your politics is like in reaction to this middle class experience that's really alienating for loads of other people it doesn't really like yeah i don't know it just seems to kind of erase people's experiences beyond those things does that if that makes sense yeah and yeah do you know something that like that like really bothers me to my absolute bones is when people choose to be on the dole or like do you know what I mean like (laughs) choose to take things that really are not there for them and also like I guess not everybody knows but they really should know and, and that's a separate thing like how do you if you're brought up in a world of privilege how do you know what the other half looks like you know what 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 the reality is for other people but in a world where you know um when you work in class you're often growing up around people who if it's not you you know your family or your friends or whatever will be in council housing will be having trouble with um finding jobs or being made redundant or being laid off or being mm. like on the dole for literally years or disability checks right there are loads of different things which leaves you like teetering on the edge you've got no security whatsoever you're constantly like i can't I can't find my roots here because at any point they can be taken away. And that that fundamental experience of growing up working class stays with you right through to being however old. I'm sure Katie Price, you know, I mean, look, everybody's favourite example of how you can never really transcend your class. Katie Price has been a bloody millionaire more times and then gone bankrupt so many times. Like, there is always this feeling of, like, it can go and and it likely will go. Because you're not really equipped with the skills or the understanding of, like, how to actually look after big money. Do you know what I mean? So, like, mm-hmm. when people are nouveau riche, like, loads of people will win the lottery. And then two two years later, they'll be bankrupt again. Yeah. Because they don't really get it. And, yeah, it, like, really, it really bothers me when people treat things like that as being, like, oh, yeah, do you know, and I just want to be creative and live in a squat for a while and, like... You know, this is not having a go at you, Kathleen. I know you've just said your bits there. Specifically, no, have a go. It's like when when people are... Like, you're honest about it. You've just said it, and you know probably how we would feel about <laughs> it. It's like... But there's... You know, even recently, um, you know, we watched this Instagram live, um, and there's people that, that we know and we kind of, like, have overlapped in scenes over the years, all three of us together. I'm not going to name names. Um, but they specifically yeah. said... It would be really cool to, you know, just take some time off, like think about writing a book and, and go on the dole. Yeah. And I was fucking furious. Blame. And, you know, this yeah. is people who are was... quite politically active, you know, like what the fuck are you doing? 
the same thing on that um, that doll that job centre program uh, that was set in Leeds, um, and there was like one person on that who was just like, "Oh, I struggle with my confidence. All my other friends have, you know, are doing great things, having babies, or university, you know, all my other posh friends." And I'm just gonna, and then they're like, I don't, I can't, I don't, I've not got any skills. And at the end, it's like, I might just stay on the dole and write my book. <laughs> I'm just like, man, that's not how it works. And I was just like, I mean, I think I was, they, moved, they moved into a co-op, and then was like, I'm just gonna stay on the dole and write my book. And I was just like, oh, for fuck's yeah. sake, don't go to cyber co-ops. God, I could just, <laughs> could just monologue all night. I really could. I suppose um, something fundamental to what both of you just said is is the idea of safety nets and like i'm surprised it's taken us this long to get around to it actually i think what you said were saying right at the beginning um of you have growing up working class you have these pitfalls you have to avoid if you're going to try and you know climb the ladder or have, have everyone ever you want to conceive of it to you know if you want to follow some the classic path of transcending your class or whatever where you get out to university and you get a good job and all of that kind of stuff you've got these pitfalls either side of you and i think that what you have when you have class privilege is not only those pitfalls don't really exist but you have these constant safety nets like it's really hard to fail as a middle class person it's like you you definitely don't have like as many threats to you growing up there's less things to send you off course obviously you know things can always life always has wild cards for you you know yeah. Like your parents could always split up or you can have health problems or whatever, but like fundamentally you have a lot less of those kind of things when you have class privilege, but also you have this constant safety nets. And I think that like all them crust punks, it's like they all have a big safety net and it's like the decisions you make when you're going to be caught if you fall are just completely different to the ones where like if you fall, you fall and you fucking like die on the rocks below. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? <laughs> Which, yeah, we've, the we've more talked- I th- about as well like you know people that were like heavily political like really especially in like the scenes you were in Kathleen and then suddenly they turned 30 and they're like see ya I've, I've yeah. just remembered that my family are really rich so I'm, I've, I'm done with that life now bye yeah and I think to, if like if anyone is like prejudiced against posh people it's probably me more than anyone else because I think I'm so suspicious like knowing that all posh people who were still like politically active and like doing stuff at all times have the option of just tapping out and going and living a comfortable life and like the only way the reason they're not doing that is because they've decided not to and they can change their mind at any point and that makes me really distrustful of people tapping out i love it it's so true it's it's so no it's really true though isn't it it's like i'm sick of hardcore i'm sick of punk i'm sick of anarchism like and then you know they disappear except you're still on facebook so then they just pop up and like they just you know, and maybe they're living a bit of an like arty alternative life. I mean, they've they've bought a house in the countryside and have got an organic fucking bee farm or something. But it's like they're <laughs> fundamentally just, you know, they're fundamentally just cashing in that class privilege and retreating into this like comfortable middle class existence that like, you know, exists off the back of working class people. Yeah, and thankfully drawing and, like, does on that, for um, thankfully drawing on that old Latin degree that they had hanging around. <laughs> yeah, and that that helps, and the fact that your you know your parents know people that can help you out with this, you know, all the kind of low key class stuff connections and. Yeah, I think you're not even like it's like we go on, and I often think it's like I wasn't born with like complete, you know, you don't you're not com- you don't come out them like oh my god I'm amazing I know about everything I understand all my privileges I understand people who have less than me you know like I've spent I spent probably a good portion of my twenties. Um, probably wasn't until like I got in my 30s you know 
kind of being really envious of middle class yeah. friends. You know, when I'm like, and I'm sat there like, oh, that they've t- the, the path that their life has taken could have been mine, except my parents were fucking poor as shit, yeah. so therefore it wasn't. And then like begrudging them, even though they they've earned it themselves but I guess like you're saying they kind of hadn't had that you know they don't think oh could I do this you know like could I go to university like I didn't go because they said my sister was the only person that went and that you know grandparents chipped in that and I could see that that was costing a lot so I was like I don't need to go I don't really want to go so there's no I'm not going to do that you know having these questions like is this something I can do not into like that in terms of am I able is it is it you know have, have I got the ability to do that but is it something I could do or will it affect my entire family yeah is a, is a very big thing and I think you know I've learned to you know not you know not be the kid not the not be the kevs in the, in the school <laughs> <laughs> being aggressive to other posh kids you know I've had to work work through that um in the same way that I love saying people have been like I'm so anti-racist and I'm like I'm 36 I'm still you know working through internalized racism so shut your stupid mouth um but yeah so I think like as you get older you do kind of obviously you get more aware of, of more and more stuff and I think my issue with people with class is that you no know, a lot of people don't seem to have cottoned onto that and aren't working through it or aren't figuring stuff out well I think the classic defensive thing is like well I've worked hard for everything and it's like yeah it's you know you've turned up to work great you know you applied <laughs> for your job and got it isn't, no one's saying that like you get paid to sit at, I mean I'm literally being paid to sit at home at the moment <laughs> just putting that out there <laughs> yeah that's the, the classic just like I've worked really hard for everything I've got like people it's very hard to let go of the idea of yourself as like self-made and like I know loads of people with like massive class privilege that are like very that's very core to their identity that like they have also worked for everything and the suggestion that like they've had a like which is the same when you start talking about white privilege people just being like well, well, well I you know I've worked very hard at university and stuff and it's like they're just super defensive and will not talk about the ways that like privilege also is about putting you in the position to do that work and it's just like you know, and I have middle class friends that are very successful and like they're they're brilliant at what they do and they have worked really hard for it, but also they've like not firstly not had those pitfalls. They've had the safety net and the encouragement to like maybe take risks. And like they have you know, even if it's like they've been found a job by their parents' friends that's like their entry level job on their career, yeah, they've then grafted, but it's like everything that is like put them in that position to then graft their way up is due to like their class privilege. Even like I always use university as a mark, and I I often like point out to people like it 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 was good. It wasn't even like like even at school it was never mentioned. I saying this to my partner today like her education. It's like I don't remember a careers chart. I mean it is long ago, but I don't yeah. think anyone was ever said you'll go to university because you know it's a bunch of poor kids in a school they're not going anywhere um but that assumption that like you know i've got friends whose all that them and all their siblings went to university and that was just a thing and then yeah. i've got all my other set of friends who are all working class where every single one of them goes like oh my one there's one person in my family yeah. who went to university like my one oh yeah my sister's the one person that went you know yeah. and it's like that that huge thing that this is just something that you're expected to do versus this is something that like even if you wanted to you know it's going to be like a huge task or yeah. a struggle if you work really really hard you can be this like do this special thing yeah, yeah. my experience was very much like from the age of like 14 right you got to pick your options what university you're going to go to what do you want to study it wasn't like do you want to go to uni it was just like straight up 
So, I've, I mean, I've got a politics degree, so I don't, I mean, I do care about politics, didn't really care about the politics on my degree. Like halfway through, <laughs> I was like, this is, doesn't lead to anything I want to do. It leads me to like, I don't know, working in office or the civil service, don't care about any of those things. Like, I was basically like, I'll finish it because I'm halfway through. But, you know, when I think of how motivated working class kids have to be to get to university, to get through it, you know, I really was just handed it on a plate. I was thinking as well in terms of work, because I often think about people that I expect to talk about class but don't. I'm like, I wonder if it's because their line of work, they don't really see it. But then I, I, I guess that in your line of work, you you are more aware of um, people that aren't just upper middle class. Yeah, and I think, well, it's interesting talking to working class friends that work in very like middle class environments and find it like borderline intolerable of like how many middle class people we know work in those environments and just feel at home and don't, you know, just don't even notice that dynamic. Yeah. Like, yeah, I think something for me is I've worked in the ambulance service for 12 years. And it's an interesting one. It's like um, traditionally very working class. Um, it's becoming less so like being a paramedic is becoming like a degree qualification. You used to be able to kind of come in and like work your way up. And now there's more people coming from outside to do a degree and take on all that debt and stuff. So it's, it's kind of interesting, like, shift there. And there are other middle-class people around, but it's, like, I'd say it's largely a, a working-class um, work environment in general. And, yeah. I mean, I'm pretty burnt out and thinking about other things I could do, but partly I'm like, I don't really want to, uh, you know, I think it's a bit of a hangover of that moment of being 13 and being like, get me the fuck out of this place. <laughs> I'm like, I don't want to, you know, if I'm ever in a middle-class only environment, like it makes me feel uncomfortable. I think partly because I feel like I was brought up to live that life. So if I, I'm i doing that, then I feel like I'm somehow doing something that fits in with that. If that does that make sense? Of yeah. just like, I feel like I was kind of groomed groomed to live in these yeah, like privileged circles and so like, if I'm doing that yeah you leaving boarding school and then having like way more of an awareness is like you don't want to yeah like your nightmare would be to be sucked back into that bubble yeah and I think because I also think there's alternative versions of turning out posh which don't fundamentally like challenge the class system like I was involved in the kind of eco anarchist scene from probably like 18 to 24 25 so that that's kind of people that you know like um live up trees to stop roads getting built and, <laughs> um you know i get extinction rebellion is kind of like an offshoot of them but that kind of vibe yeah um and it's really really posh scene like really posh and i got really involved with it because i was like super upset that the world's getting you know destroyed and everything <laughs> you know i got into it for, for pretty pure reasons but then once I got deeper into it, looked around and was just like, this scene is posh as fuck. Like, I like fit in here, which after going to state school for for the last four years of school was actually like, I feel like I'm kind of backtracking a little bit now. And there was loads of posh people that were f- kind of fine with being posh. Like, it, it didn't feel like it was getting discussed a lot. Like, I had working class friends in that scene who felt super alienating and saw a lot of people get kind of forced out. You know, they were as passionate about the political stuff, but in the end, they were just like, I just can't even deal with these fucking wankers. And I think, <laughs> yeah, I ended up distancing myself from it because I was like, this just feels like a weird kind of skewed version of, you know, like, I felt I felt like posh, posh was with gro- some politics. Yeah, I felt like posh school was like grooming me to go and be like some. Fo- I don't even fucking know. I'd say a lawyer is a posh job. I don't even know. But you know, go and live in. So everyone's posh. 
we all like went to private school we all have high-powered jobs and blah 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 and I felt like I was being set up for that life and I was just like actually I think this is all bullshit and then I felt like I was in this bizarro world version where everyone's posh but we've just done this different version of posh if that makes sense yeah and actually there's loads of money in that scene and there's a lot of housing cops come out of that scene because people put their fucking trust funds into they use it as like seed money to start these projects so there's loads of land projects that are basically started with people's inheritance and shit and it's like there is politics there but i did, i felt like class was not discussed there was a lot of assumptions and like I think a lot of my perspective on it, it was very informed by like a few working class friends in that scene who were, were really naming stuff and like holding my hand. Like I definitely saw things through their eyes like and, and learned from them. You know, like, um, so I was living in a housing cooperative that's like around the corner from where I live now. And then I decided I wanted to be a paramedic, but I realized I needed to kind of work my way up. So I was working as a clinical support worker in hospital um, as a kind of way of getting into the health it was like a job I could get in healthcare without any healthcare experience and my hope was from there I could apply to train up as a paramedic so I started this job and it was just like a straight up like NHS full-time um, Bantu job and people like just were on my back because I was working full-time and they didn't like it so the whole thing the whole thing was just <laughs> like look this house is a project in itself and we really want you to like be taking that seriously and like spending time on it and literally just be like so um do, do you think they're gonna let you go part-time and it was like I don't want to go part-time <laughs> like I need <laughs> need to get my head down and do this to get the experience to do something else I want to do and also like if I go to my normal job with normal people and tell them I want to go part-time for no particular reason except <laughs> I don't like working they're gonna be like what the fuck <laughs> but like my mate my mate was in a similar position she was working also in the NHS full time and they were really on it, both of us. Like we had this bad attitude and we weren't weren't committed to the house and stuff. And like she was working class and she was paying off her grandma's funeral. <laughs> and it was like no one in the house had ever, it never occurred to them that you would have any kind of like financial commitment to your family because they all had that class privilege, privilege which is basically in your 20s. You're just like running free. You've got your degree. Go and do what you want. Like go out in the world and like your family won't ask anything of you. Like, they won't ask to borrow money. They won't die suddenly without any plans and, like, need a funeral covering. Like, they won't, you won't ever have, like, younger siblings that you need to take care of at short notice. Like, all of those things were just, like, not ever considered. So she was getting guilt tripped for, like, prioritizing, like, money over the house or whatever and it was just yeah that was her point of so just like greedy such capitalism. yeah yeah totally of like well why are you so obsessed with saving money like blah 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 and it's just like because not everyone is like expecting to inherit money when they're like 50 you know and and i'm you know i'm pretty embarrassed by how much i needed that spelling out to me but like seeing that that dynamic play out and seeing a working class person really get chewed up and spat up spat out by that like scene was just like yeah this is fucking bullshit like I guess if you grew up and you know you don't you don't ever your parents are never like oh we haven't got money for that or you know you yeah. just assume that everybody because everyone's like oh it's parents though isn't it you know and that assumption that people love say well people are going if you can't afford children you shouldn't have had them it's like, yeah. shut, shut you out. <laughs> so like, I guess unless you you know because you only know your own life for so many years don't you 
Which is true, but then if you consider that this is a house of 10 people aged 20 to 40 that are specifically <laughs> politically engaged, a political activist, you know, very much pride themselves on picking apart the way the world works and the way the environment's being destroyed and live in a like area that's like historically black because they can buy a house there cheaply. Do you know what I mean? It just, it's such a like convenient blind spot. It's like, I get that some people just coast through life and everyone they meet is posh and they're just fucking oblivious, like fine, made in Chelsea, like whatever. But when I think the thing, and I think I think the the person that wrote in asking like, what is it? Why do people have this amazing political analysis about everything except class? And to me, that was the example of that. It's like people, this whole life is based around being politically active, having such a basic understanding or misunderstanding of class. You know, it's like realizing that someone that's 35 has never realized that like, the basic plasters you buy in the supermarket are white people skin colour. Do you know what I mean? To yeah, be which like happens. I, Yeah. But you know, I feel like most people we know would scoff at that a little bit, but it's like that it's literally that level Same of analysis. Thing. And it's just like, yeah, fine, if you like if a plaster's always match your skin and you've never thought about it for more than fucking ten seconds, then like I guess that's how you could be so ignorant. But to me, it's a similar thing of like, yeah, yeah I guess I guess analogy. if you've never ever had anyone need money from you or need financial support, then it doesn't occur to you that people might. But it's like you don't have to pay that much attention. Like you literally just need to know one working class person and have a conversation with them about it. So I don't know. I just think when there's that level of oblivious, obliviousness to class stuff from posh people, they're just either don't talk to any working class people or they're just like they do and they're not listening. I just don't think they give a fuck, to be honest. Sometimes I don't (laughs) want to know. Yeah, because like sometimes it's people think like they're they're oblivious, they don't understand. And then, but then a lot of time people think like the like class doesn't exist. People love saying that, you know. Yeah. Now they love going, oh, it doesn't exist. And therefore then their views can often be like the reason that you are struggling is just because you haven't worked hard enough it's all personal responsibility yeah yeah and i've worked for everything i've got so everything that's going well for me is because my hard graft and that's something i don't want to know because i literally don't want to have that discussion with you yeah and yeah do you not think though kathleen is is like the the total opposite of that is like do you know like for example right when when you what you said earlier is like you kind of everyone sort of grows up with this idea that if you work hard you'll succeed and all that kind of stuff yeah and this idea is self-made it was just making me think then like about how i totally bought into that like as a human being and a person of the world was like oh if i work hard like i can get my shot at this right and we i mean spoiler alert we all know what happened there but like I guess the the difference is though, isn't it, that I could have done that and been like set up the business and, you know, carried on and when I got to financial difficulties I could have just asked for a bit more money from someone. So rather than dependent on the banks and, and all oh, the yeah. other shit that, that happened and then I went bankrupt. Yeah. Like likely is I wouldn't have ever gone bankrupt and I probably would have had a bunch of businesses or kept going, right? Because somebody would have plugged those yeah, but it's like, difficult where, periods. That's where the parallel universe splits off, isn't it? Yeah. You know, like if you know, there's a there's a universe where your dad's got a CBE, mate, <laughs> and, 
at that point where reality hit and it was like, fuck, there's this black hole in my account. She'd be like, dad. <laughs> you well, know, yeah, you might have been like really embarrassed to do it. And nobody would know. Dad, can I have like 10 grams? And nobody would know, no. would they? Yeah, well, I think, I think that's a massive part of it is like all of this shit's invisible from the outside. And it's like how, if, if people aren't being honest about when they've had help and when, I guess when that safety net's kicked in, you know, like that, that point when you realise there was this black hole in your accounts and you ended up going bankrupt, it's like that is when a lot of people with class privilege, that's when a safety net would have kicked in. It would have caught them. They could have got back up on their feet and kept going. And I think that like when people aren't honest about when they've relied on those safety nets, like if you're looking at it from the outside, then you just think that they've just done a better job than you or like worked a bit harder or whatever. Well, exactly. And I think that's yeah. how corrosive. Yeah. And I always say that like, you know, it's like when I said to you when you were saying about buying a house and you know I don't I don't I'm not I'm not here waiting people to be like oh I've got a safety net and then be like oh actually I don't want it because you know oh no no I need to make my own way I'm like do you think if my mum had wanted to give me she wouldn't be giving me like the reason she hasn't got anybody is because she fucking gives it all away (laughs) millionaire but I'm like you know it's not that I don't expect like your parents had you you know but, you know, in their eyes, they, they're meant to, like, look after you and care yeah. for you. Which is um, what they like... thought they were doing, sending me to posh school also. Like, I do appreciate <laughs> yeah. that, that they thought they were doing something good, you know, in their <laughs> point of reference. But, yeah, sorry. Yeah. No, as, yeah, so I think it's just, like, that weird thing. It's just, like, I don't expect you to not be, like... Oh, I don't want it. I'm like, if my mum was gaffing me money, I'd be like, yeah, thanks. See ya. <laughs> yeah, and I think that that's the kind of the process we went through is, like, when we had... A, a kid and then we were renting in a house and had a housemate and stuff and it was it was affordable but like not you know our landlords were ourselves because they all are and like we couldn't really do anything and you know kind of suddenly started to get why you might want to own a house because I just hadn't really thought about it before then um yeah you know me and my partner had this conversation and they were very much like yeah do you not think my parents would fucking help out buying a house if they could and I mean Something interesting or slash like probably horrifying if you're not really posh. But basically, so when I was in my early 20s, so my granddad had died a few years before. And then a few years later, I don't know if it just hit when I was 21, but basically my parents came to me and were like, oh, you've got this like big chunk of inheritance money from your granddad. But it was like saved until you're 21. And I was just like horrified because I was like squatting (laughs) and like living on you know like living on no money and just scumming my way around and I was just like I like could not be less interested in buying a house like I don't want this money this just feels like gross and awkward and I don't want it I don't want to like there's nothing I'll do with it I briefly was like oh yeah but what if I like gave it away to really good stuff and then I was like I don't even want to be in the position where I'm just sitting here with part of money like deciding who is where so in the end I was like I don't want it just like split it between my other siblings and obviously then felt very like virtuous about that of like, well, I've just turned down this inherited money. Anyway, so then when I was like 32, I wanted to buy a house. My parents were like, oh, yeah, we've like sat on that beer for 10 years. <laughs> and I took it, you know, like, so I had this huge lump sum of money. Um, yeah, and I, it, it very clearly illustrated that, you know, you can kind of decide that you don't want class privilege anymore. But it's not something that goes away. It's like, that's why you have to just fucking own it, because it's not you can't you don't turn it off. The other thing I want to mention specifically, logistically, that you might not know about if you don't have rich parents, is that, so when you die and leave an inheritance, there's inheritance tax on it, so the, the government takes a big chunk of it. But if you give someone a chunk of money 
and then don't die for at least seven years, that gift is not taxed. So it's basically like you can dodge inheritance tax by giving away your money before you die to your kids. But you have to do it when you think you're going to live at least seven years, which is probably when you're in your like mid 60s, which is probably when your kids are in their 30s, which is why all the middle class people we know are getting given money by their parents to buy houses because it's a tax dodge. And like I didn't really know about that until both my parents separately gave me money to buy our house on top of my inheritance because they were like cool like as long as we don't die until 2025 you're sorted and if you if you do die don't if we do die don't worry because other inheritance will cover that tax and i think that's the kind of thing that is like totally invisible and is also the reason that like so many people are getting like lump sums of money because of that and they're not posting about it on Instagram, whatever. But like that's that is like massively influencing the choices people are making in their like early to mid thirties, and that's also why like everyone suddenly owns a house now. So I'd let you in on that posh top so tip. Top, top top secret. Top secret, yeah. If you want to buy a house, just wait for your parents to uh, give you the money, and then buy a house. Ah. <sighs> The end, right? Thanks for having me. <laughs> I don't want to neg you out, but yeah, I don't know. I just find it. Infu- I think I find it infuriating. It's like, well, if it annoys me and I'm posh, then like, what's that going to do for people that are like are just sitting watching people reap all this fucking well, all their fruits of? I guess just like flip it, flip it round the other side, and like the type of the attitudes towards, um, do you know, or like, or even like the the pride or whatever. Like, I share a lot, obviously, about. Um, like the the jobs that I do or like the fact that I was a that I had a business and you know um the the whole bankruptcy thing and and all that stuff and I like there's a part of me that's like oh my god you know you know when I set up the business I was like this is a really good thing for me like this feels really empowering like I can't believe I've done this like you know as a as a working class person this feels like wow like do you know what I mean? And then other working class people would be like, wow, that's so cool. Like, who even knew that we could set our own businesses up? Wow. Do you know what I mean? Like, oh, free training. Like, this is cool. Yeah. And like, people come along with you on that journey. But at the same time, I was like, oh my God, because I was involved in like activism and like the punk scene and stuff, I was like, I'm essentially a capitalist. Like, do those people think I'm a capitalist? Am I a sellout? But like, the other way around, it just totally wouldn't be a thing, yeah. would it? Do you know what I mean? Like, you know. People thinking that, that I'm I mean, some sort I of like... I literally think that just by selling soap. <laughs> In it, though, it's so different. Well, yeah, like, and it I would think hold you back. Of, I think the concept of selling out is like... I think there's been like plenty of takedowns of that as this totally classist bullshit of just like, yeah, kid, rich kids waiting for their inheritance, living their life with like complete authenticity and judging everyone that like maybe wants financial security and shit. Like, that's real, you know? I guess the the difference is though, like, like if you have those safety nets and you don't need to make them for yourself. Well, if people hide them and hide them so perfectly that nobody would even think to question, but then on the other side you've got people who are very openly like, you know, again like Katie Price, everyone's favorite example. People are trying to tear her down all the time. It's just not the same thing, is they? Nobody's like, oh, do you know that yeah. wholesome looking person who has really nice things all the time and like lives a great life, like. They're not taken down in anywhere near the same way as like working class people who graft or like, um, you know, nouveau riche people. It's just so weird. Not at all. It's so weird the difference but then there. The, the slightest hint of criticism and there's like a total meltdown. You know, like James Blunt's mum like going on about how 
you know, yes. his music career was held back because people are prejudiced against posh people or whatever. And it's just like, yeah. <laughs> I don't think that's how it works. Because really, when you go to private school, that's that's the real prejudice. People, people prejudging you for being posh. <laughs> it's a bloody minefield, all this. Bloody minefield. But yeah, I just want people to be transparent. Yeah. I just think, like, it's a matter of integrity. Like, I think in general, um, like, I try not to do stuff or make decisions that I would be, like, ashamed of if it came out. Do you know what I mean? That's yeah. wild that you have like, to think like and that. And I think that's why... That's what? I just think it's wild that you, that you would have to think like that. It's so interesting to hear you say it. <laughs> yeah. But, well, but, you know, like, when we were talking about like whether to buy a house and like how much to like accept help from my family and stuff mm. and um you know it's it was interesting being like well what would how would i feel if like there's there's straight up like accounts of this like were publicly available like would i feel embarrassed about it and if so why and like if 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 i would feel somehow ashamed that my parents basically bought me a house like i shouldn't do it you know like i just mm. it's kind of having your cake and eating it isn't it to like Clashing class privilege and like have an easy ride, but then also like not want anyone to know about it. I just think like own it, and you know if 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 you'd be too embarrassed to talk openly about something, then don't do it because you know if you're feeling that way, it must be for a reason. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, They're just yeah. like I think that's meant to be honest. Think, yeah, and I think that's what. Yeah. Well, I think that's what's why what what does wind people up about this vagueness is that like people are taking the help, but then also not. You know, like, it's like if you're ashamed about it, then you must think there's something a bit shameful. Like, I just, I don't know. I don't feel like I'm explaining myself very no, well. No, you, you just totally are. Like, you totally just got to own your decisions. Like, if you think it was, if you think it was a like embarrassing or bad decision, then don't make that decision. Yeah, so, it's like it's yeah, like the best I, of both I worlds, kind of, isn't it? Like, you can't. You kind of yes. if you you're like externally opposed to certain things or you openly judge people potentially on making similar decisions but then you're kind of yeah getting the benefit in the background and that that is a shady behavior no matter what your politics are like that's just being yeah, a bit of like, a shitty person like you isn't want it? The clout and... yeah yeah it's like you want the, you want to be seen as someone that's like self-made and authentic and has struggled but then you also want to have the leg up and it's just like, well, refuse the leg up and struggle. Fine, like keep keep the fucking authenticity <laughs> points, but like don't also have a house full for the sky. Just just fucking pick one. Do you know what I mean? I mean, to be fair, from and, yeah. from like uh, again, like from the lived experience here of like fucking graft, like it's not fucking fun. I mean, I'm not getting yeah. any chufty badges for it, well, and it's I not think... fun. It's like bloody hell. Like I'd rather just, like I, I just still don't get it. Me, how people want to be seen to be like, oh god, you know, like really just working so hard, and this is such a struggle. Like, mate, if you had like a, a walk in someone's shoes for even a fucking week, it's just so weird. I just don't get it. Yeah. Well, I think it it becomes a bit patronising. It's this kind of like well, yeah. romanticising of like poverty struggle. And, and being working class and stuff and it's like it's not actually listening to what the fuck anyone's saying about their experiences of those things it's just it's you know it's like you want the aesthetic of it but you don't want that exp- I mean I feel like Pulp summed it up didn't they with common people <laughs> like that sounds like 20 years old but it nails it you know it's like this this posh lass comes along 
um and she wants to hang out with like the working class kids and be cool but like she just is never gonna know what it's like to potentially properly fail no i think it was like what we were saying before you know like it's a it's a kind of form of it's like a form of oppression but it's like putting it on yourself like persecution complex something or not denying you not yeah to be like oh well i'm i'm oppressed because of, because of this thing that isn't even a real thing but i was also just thinking then about how um it just came into my head you know like we were saying like people don't have awareness that you might have family members that are reliant on you financially or whatever and like my brother who's like he's, he's a is it i don't i don't know if jack will have um but you know he's a one he's a one he's a one he's my brother yeah um but like his favourite, and you were saying your mum's favourite saying is when I win the lottery, his favourite saying is always like, don't worry mum, I'll sort you out one day, I'll buy you an house, you know, because I think <laughs> out of all of us, he is the one that's going to be like nouveau riche, you know, yeah. you've, you've met my brother, you know, he's, he's the one that somehow is going to land on his feet and make all this money and have ridiculous things <laughs> and be like really rich. Um, but, he, you know, his favourite thing is like, don't worry mum, don't worry mum, I'll, I'll sort you out. You know, one don't worry. You, one day, you know, she's like, "Well, hurry up because I want to retire." <laughs> like sixty-three, so you know, can we jog it a lot? Yeah, anytime. Um, but I don't know. It's like, do, is that a thing that, like, do, you know, there's and there's always like loads of stories, like even like you know, like Will I Am or you know, certain there's like certain celebrities. They literally are like, I wanted to succeed and do well so I could sort my family out. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, is I mean, that we a have thing to acknowledge. Um, I mean, firstly, I don't want to let this pass without mentioning the scene in the One Direction tour documentary where Zayn <gasps> buys yes. his mama house because that's fucking <laughs> iconic. And I always cry. I cried on a plane watching that. So Mate, that when he fun. goes, when he does the voice and he's like, don't, mum, you'll make me cry. <laughs> and he's like sat in a penthouse somewhere. That's oh, too yeah. much. Um, no, it isn't something middle class people think about because that is not, that's just not the dynamic. Your parents help you. You don't help your parents. Like, that's yeah, just not like, the way that, fl- like, money doesn't flow that way. Like, care doesn't really flow that way like maybe when they're really old and you have to like work out which expensive nursing home to put them in <laughs> but like <laughs> rather than having them in your but back that, room that... <laughs> in, the, just... in the guest house yeah yeah let's put them in, in the annex just build an annex um, but yeah money just it money flows downward down the generations not up round and round and up down and sideways and yeah i think it does work in and it stays as well like it stays within you know it flows neatly it doesn't get diverted off like yeah you just don't think about that and that's something that I think it does take a while to get some self-awareness about is like all the choices I made well all the choices I've ever made have been completely about what the fuck I feel like doing with my life like what what am I interested in what motivates me what makes me happy it's all it's all been like you know the way my life's been set up has been very much about just like I'm I'm finding my own like fulfillment or whatever like I've never had to think about kids until I like very specifically chose to have them in my like early 30s never had to think about my parents needing anything from me at all certainly like not my siblings or extended family or anything like that and it's like that is such a different mindset to come into like I mean it's pretty gross and individualistic as well like I think it's easy to universalize that and think everyone is starting university at freshers week being like brilliant like I can't wait to see what I feel like doing for the next 10 years (laughs) You know, the idea that people like, yeah. you know, and I think when I think about uni, like I was pretty, you know, I, I I was pretty aware of some stuff, like I wasn't totally oblivious, but like I've it's definitely been a long 
slow process you know like you're saying kind of talking about picking apart internalized racism in your late 30s and it's like yeah there's so much i'm just figuring stuff out all the time about class and particularly having a kid has just opened up this new front of just like trying to work out what the fuck even things like like you said like going to university i think like often people they're not doing it for themselves they're doing it to make their family proud do you know what i mean and even like my auntie who's not my auntie (laughs) <laughs> she's doing the same course that my best friend did who didn't even she did finish did she finish she finished school but she hated school um you know and then she went to university in like a mid-30s um so now her and her sister have both both done that um and then like yes and my auntie who's not my auntie she's doing the same course you know and like she's doing it for herself but she's also doing it for her kids who are literally like from the age of like 14 to like 30 yeah. and it's that weird thing that like even when she she's like I don't know how old she is, probably like late forties. Um, you know, is that something that if you if she wasn't working class, would she be doing something for herself and for her family? Would she just be doing it for herself if she wasn't working class? Yeah, I don't see what she would like owe her kids really, because I guess you'd presume that she firstly would already have a degree. Yeah, and would, yeah, that her kids would already be set up if that makes sense. Yeah. Like for me doing a degree was very much just a framework for leaving home I was like I fucking live in the countryside it's shit I just want to get out of here I think that is for a lot of people yeah but then if you yeah, haven't yeah. got the option of it being so readily available then yeah. yeah like it was it was never ever an option like it was never on the cards for me that I would stay living where I lived at school it was just like absolutely built in that I would leave and it was always that I'd leave to go to university like an like my family's one of those middle class ones that everyone would just totally spread out around the country. There's no like geographical loyalty at all, which is also how everyone ends up having those like weird neutral middle class accents. Like my mum and dad actually came to visit quite recently and we, we went out for a meal and my dad was claiming to be Geordie and my partner who is actually Geordie was just like okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like his family briefly lived in Whitley Bay in the northeast and they all went to like um Newcastle like grammar school for boys, which again is like grammar school but po- it's like posh but free. Um and they all have neutral accents and like no one lives there now and it was just like mm, it's a reach, Dad. It is a reach. <laughs> we were like, Have you ever had a stotty cake though, Dad? <laughs> like Have well, you ever had no. peas pudding though? How many Gregs did you live next to? <laughs> yes. Well, it's interesting as well having kids because there's a really like a bit of a divide from what I can tell of like middle class parents tend to not have a family nearby because they've tend to have left home gone to uni and then either still live in the city they went to uni and or have like then moved from there and so like it's very common amongst middle class parents I know that all relatives are a few hours away which is also the situation for us whereas like working class people I know like people at work particularly it's like you know their their parents around the corner and do a lot of childcare and like yeah there's a lot more community there and stuff it's kind of interesting that difference and I think that starts when you go off to uni like you you spread out you're less like tied to a place you're less like loyal to a place yeah for sure I'm not going to start ranting about middle class parents I'm just going to alienate <laughs> alienate everyone I know that's a whole other whole other podcast I suppose what I could say about that is that like that was another situation like when I was on maternity leave and like found a bit of a crew of just being like actually this is like everyone here is like really middle class and and you know like for the first time in a really long time being in like an all middle class like being in a room with middle class people only and feeling uncomfortable in that like there's loads of dog dog whistle like classism 
and then just being like, you know, what I just seem to gravitate back towards this. And why is it that the person I end up chatting to at the baby group is like the other middle class person there and stuff. And I guess just realizing like how you're read and how you read other people and what you feel comfortable with is, is quite interesting. And yeah, that was an interesting year. Oh, mate. This has been a good episode. I appreciate this. I think it's been good to have a bit of to and fro. Yeah. Yeah. Once you're chatting about it and you've got working class mates and it's kind of a bit of a joke, it's it's very easy to kind of be like, oh, well, I'm down. Do you know what I mean? And I feel like, you know, Selena, I, that I end up sending you like videos of like white people cooking where they're like, uh, so put on some salt and pepper. If you don't like spice, leave out the black pepper. And like you know kind of laugh about like white people not using spices and i think in the same way you could it's kind of easy for me to be like oh look at this posh cunt being posh and it's just like i don't know i think it is good to own your privilege but also like it is a constant process that you have to kind of keep examining and like you can't just be like oh well i'm not i'm like i'm woke now (laughs) i'm I'm a woke posh yeah i don't know yeah I'm I also think, posh, posh. Yeah, I think there's this weird, like, also, like, weird identity of just, like, yeah, but I'm down. And yeah, I, I sure. guess I'm keen not to just be, like... Because I also think the bar is so low, you know, like, when I was ranting on Instagram about, like, posh people just own your privilege. And then, like, you know, people reposting it and being, like, really approving and stuff. And it's, like, that is pretty fucking basic stuff. You know, like, I definitely feel, like, overvalidated for saying some, like, quite obvious things at very min- minimal risk to myself. Do you know, I think, though, from the- from your perspective, Kathleen, it's, like, you're further along that journey. So things that seem really obvious to you... Um, some of those people may never have heard in a way that they feel safe receiving that information. So, like, if they see <laughs> you, person say it to them. yeah, do you know what I mean? So, like, like for us, we can be like, oh, um, you know, uh, here's this concept, and then people can be like, oh my god, I had no idea. You know, oh, this is such wise words, and we're like, what are you on about? It's just like absolute commonplace. Do you know what I mean? It's like wherever you're at in that journey of talking about it. Um, it can just be mental like oh my god what imagine imagine a world where these things happen like yeah dude all time yeah, <laughs> yeah I think I've like I've been thinking that recently in terms of like you know because black history is a it's that's that's in now and people are like there's this figure there's this person and I'm like oh do you know about this and I'm like yeah what? I mean yeah. but I was like I actively <laughs> had to sort, sort these out you know I didn't get taught these things but then people are like oh, did you hear about this and I'm like yeah in the you know people people it was like some of the day people like attention like program suggestions and was like oh this one with a black person like do you not think i've got like a black dad where like if there's a program about black and like any kind of dad is is it about working class or black people then i've probably already watched it's like when i try and show you something off black tiktok and you're like yeah i saw that last week babe (laughs) like nice try (laughs) like that's already done the rounds between me and all our black if it's trickled down to you kathleen (laughs) black people are aware of it But it's that thing that people are like, oh, wow, I never knew that. I'm like, where have you been? But then I'm just like, oh, yeah, I suppose not everybody, like you said, is, I, at, is, at, is at the same point. And I suppose as well, like, it, it goes beyond, like, chatting and just what you're thinking about it. Because I think part of the deal with class is that it plays out in, like, very concrete ways all the time. So I think that, like, yeah, only class privilege, like, talk about it. But also, like, think about how you are like wielding that privilege and like how you're perpetuating that because I do think actually there's concrete things you need to do and I'm really judgmental about those things like and you know I definitely 
we've talked about the idea of selling out being kind of like unhelpful and I don't think I'm like morally pure in any way not least because I'm sitting in a house that my parents bought me but like I do think you know I have a problem with people like being bought a house or inheriting a house and then renting you know living in it and then renting the room out to their friends who can't afford to buy houses and then that's free money for them and they treat that as income and like you know like you know I do have political viewpoints on these things and I think that, you know, or investing your money in like fucked up stuff. Like, I don't think that's cool. That's like the backbone of capitalism. And I think it like only privilege understand what classes, but also look how that can be wielded as a weapon. Like my, like my, I mean, it's weird because in some ways my parents like have kind of accepted how I am. Like they've, they've chilled out a lot about some of the decisions that I've made um, over the years but like sometimes they just I just I'm like god you are on another planet like my parents came to visit and I mentioned that like so the house next door is probably going to be up for sale in the next couple of years and um my mum was like well something you might want to think about is um uh is if you bought that then you could rent it out it was like what it was just like what basically you know like have you met me yeah it was just like I mean like in what world do you think I'm going to be like oh brilliant yeah I could like yeah, buy next door, fill it with people, and then fucking live off them. Kathleen, you know, the landlord. I don't know. Can you imagine? I mean, I'm, I've come across posh punks that there was someone, when I first was coming to Leeds, there was a squatter punk, and it turned out that he was squatting. He owned a house that his family had bought him, and he was collecting rent off them. So, like, oh you can't even make this shit up. And I mean, that was like 15 years ago. <laughs> what the fuck? Um, so yeah, I don't know. Some people probably do do that shit, but I do think actually, like, if you inherit enough money for a house and then you have spare rooms, like, yeah, like get people in to live in them, but like, pay attention. Like, are you charging the market rent, or actually, you're going to undercharge them because that will let them save up for a deposit or like work less or any of the other things that you kind of get to do if you have like a bit of a financial safety net, you know? Or can you let someone live there for free that is on their ass and has like been denied pip, like? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I just think there's there's concrete decisions to be made with that. I know we've come back to house buying loads and like I, there's loads of other things, but I just think like shit like that. Like we're at a point where loads of people are buying houses. And so I guess that's why we've talked about it so much. But even within that, you know, and I've seen mates who, you know, have had family help to buy a house. And then I actually use that to like give a few mates cheap rent and like help them out loads and stuff. And I just... It's about doing the right thing, isn't it? For, like, it's kind of like spreading that privilege around a little bit and like yeah. maybe don't pick your three rich friends that are going to get bought houses anyway. Like maybe find people that like will really benefit from having a break from like incessant rent and shit. And I don't know. I just but think that's... there's a lot of ways to... Do you think it's about ownership as well, though, and, like, seeing it as being, like, well, it's my money and I'll do what I want with it rather than thinking, you know, some yeah, people don't... Yeah, people are, like, crazy. Yeah. Like... And I, I think when the house stuff came up with me, it was just like, I mean, all this money is essentially fallen from the sky. I've done nothing to earn it except just be born to the right parents. Like, mm. and I want to be careful. I don't want to like pay too much for a house or be suckered or whatever. But I also like want to treat this as like, as if it's fallen from the sky. Like, and I, to see people be really defensive about their money and like, you know, like write a legal contract with their working class partner saying that their working class partner has no claim on the house <laughs> if they split up and stuff but people do it like this, I mean this is very personal but like I think they'll be okay with me saying it but when we bought our house I put me and my partner's names were on the deeds so if we 
split up um like they're entitled to half of the house imagine um, a world where people do that eh <clears throat> well my parents and the and the, and the solicitors were just like um you need to think really carefully about this and actually we can draw you up this thing and blah, make sure you get your money back and all of this shit and it's just fuming fuming yeah sorry um but you know i have children with my partner like i could not be more committed to them like what fucking flex is that to be like yeah but also this is still my house because that was my money because that's my genetic <laughs> inheritance it's my right work for <laughs> If you do have large amounts of money washing around your life for no work of your own, like maybe like think about that and how you can benefit people other than just yourself. Washing around, I like that. Do you know on um just sloshing sloshing about, mate, in your massive house with all your twenty rooms. Um or if you again, <laughs> if you're like Katie Price and your house is full of actual dog shit, you might have fifteen rooms but every room is covered in the the dogs of shit everywhere. Uh, anyway, so on a smaller scale um, do you remember that time when um, you posted, it was, it was a while back now, um, about picking things up from charity shops um, and I got on my high horse mm-hmm. a bit and I commented on it and said like, yeah. um, do you know, actually, like, if you're going to go into charity shops and you're like, oh, what a bargain, what a deal, like, that means that somebody yeah. who maybe only had three quid, you know, who doesn't have, like, a luxury of they could go to John Lewis or they could go to a charity shop. They only have a charity shop and yeah. they go in and there's no deals left for them. And that sucks because other yeah. people just came in, like, cleaned it all up. I remember just writing that concept and, and I was thinking, like, well, that's pretty fucking obvious. Everyone knows that. Do you know what I mean? But then yeah. loads of people replied, didn't they, and started talking about it. Like, oh, my God, I never even thought about that. I never even realised. Yeah. And and that's the thing, right? Nobody... I, I honestly feel like there's a, there's a whole grey area in the middle that some people just don't realise what it is they're doing... And sometimes they just need a working class person to tell them. But then it's just that annoying thing of like, we're not here to do a service to tell you this stuff. But then how do you know if you're in this bubble all the time? So I don't know. I think that's something for people to consider as well when they talk about this stuff is like, how can we get, how can we have more like opportunities to share real people's stories? And and that's what it's about, right? So whether it's race, whether it's class, whether it's, um, you know, I don't know, neurodiversity, whatever it is, everybody's got these stories to tell. And if we can't help elevate those people's stories, like that is a choice that we're like kind of choosing not to. Do you know what I mean? Like how are we all going to learn if we don't actually share people's stories? It's not up to them to share it and to educate people. It's about everybody trying to leverage whatever privilege that you've got and, and make that, you know, create those platforms or whatever it is or have those conversations with their families, call shit out, you know, and try and push past it. If you don't, you're choosing not to. You know, it's like way which people don't like talking about money. It's like, how convenient for you <laughs> that you don't want to talk about money. Mate, poor people don't either, you, but in a whole know. other way. <laughs> oh, yeah. my God. Yeah, like, yeah. my um, my dad is, like, absolutely staunch on the fact. He's like, we don't talk about money. and We don't talk about who we vote for. And he said that's like a generational <laughs> thing. And he'll never change his mind. Yeah. And he says to me, listen listen, right, and this is how we talk, she's very, like, to the point, right, this is how we speak, it's like, right, listen here, I never want to know how much you make, don't even try and tell me how much money you make, because I don't want to hear it, all right, all right then, Dad, (laughs) (laughs) all right, cool, 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 I love it. I think, yeah, it's weird, like, I, I get scared to talk, like, I'm that thing, you know, when someone says, oh, I like that, and then you go, oh, it was an offer, or someone gives you a but you know, like, you downplay 
that's the thing that's the way I talk for money and I'm like really bad at asking for money but I always if I want to know anything I was like I'll just ask Kathleen because she probably just asked somebody how because <laughs> 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 I'm just like I think I'm embarrassed I'm um um so I'm just like yeah I'll just ask Kathleen because you just like you're just like oh yeah so uh, how much are you getting or how much was that or you're like really just like out with it and I'm like wow well I think I think it helps like I've got a job that the pay scale is like completely um like structured and advertised and I don't know how I would deal you know like my sister's got one of them jobs where you like go and have a chat and then you earn more money you know you get pay rise and and then you find out that someone next to you is actually being paid like 15 grand more because they negotiated it better or whatever I don't think I could deal with that world like I think working at NHS like all the pay stuff is so straightforward I'm in this band that's how much I get paid yeah and I've been in this band for six years so I've got these points and everything I think when I talk about like rich people not wanting to talk about money is it it's in a it's in a very it's in a way that's like constructed to be very self-serving in that I know so many especially like lefty guardian reading middle class people (laughs) loved love a bargain and then like but won't look at the, they won't talk about the big stuff they'll talk about the little stuff so they'll talk about like going to Aldi and this amazing um wooden toys they found at a charity shop for 99p and never actually acknowledge that they live in a like 300 grand house that their parents bought them do you know what I mean like there was someone on Instagram recently who was doing you know showing off some stuff in the house and then I don't want to get too personal. Don't don't be too personal. That's what I've got written in front of me. <laughs> they were basically like, I just love that everything in the house is like secondhand or like free or really cheap. And it's like, yeah, but you live in a like fucking custom loft conversion. You yes. know, like there's all like, these expensive fittings. What? And then the next week she announced that they basically bought like this holiday home in another country. And it was just this weird like aesthetic, like, oh yeah, we scrimp and save and we're dead frugal and thrifty. But actually, like, all of that shit is, is completely irrelevant in the much bigger picture of huge amounts of money and, like, total security and, like, housing security and stuff. Yeah, and you know, I, I don't know, it's like... It's another thing that can be flipped on its side as well, isn't it? Like, poor people who spend money on lots of things, it's like, oh, who do you think you are? A bit flashy, like, do you know what I mean? As if you're, like, fronting. <laughs> That's yeah. just, like, complete opposite. Yeah, and that feeds into that thing of like, well, maybe if people just save £10 a week, then they can save up a house deposit. Yeah. Like, yeah. You know, like actually. You stop buying named brand cans of Coke. They yeah. Buy a house by now. Yeah, Big Ledge. <laughs> we, are, we are branded baked beans. What do you expect? Oh, I know, <laughs> babes. But do you know what I mean? It's just a quality of life. I just can't give in. <laughs> yeah i don't know i guess that like illusion of it's i mean it's the same as like a, a lot of that this that kind of scene like i'm not totally part of it but you know kind of lefty guardian readers dead eco like you know and they'll they'll kill themselves like buying something in like recycled plastic as opposed to not recycled plastic and it's like yeah but like you know fundamentally like, my carbon footprint is is just ridiculous it's like I, I mean i literally lived on a boat off the grid for a couple of years like great had like minimal carbon footprint but it's like i also went on holiday as a kid to like australia canada america you know like i'd flown huge, like so many long-haul flights by the time i was 16 you know so i can spend all my 20s like visibly you know virtuously like hitchhiking on holiday but like it's it's just like appearances into it it's not actually getting to do you know what i mean and that's a very classic thing is like anyone who lives 
on an estate has a smaller carbon footprint than a middle class person who thinks about their carbon footprint a lot. I mean, except I feel like this leads us nicely into the uh, that that amazing fact about the Argus. Yeah, look the about. one that yeah, what was that fact? The fact you know when people are trying to claim that. You let's know, start. Like, let's just start. Right. So an Argus is a posh, is a cooker for posh people. <laughs> it's like the size of a fucking. What is it the size of? Like you, you don't have anything that big in your house. It's, it's like, like your cooker plus your cupboard plus your little skinny cupboard that is a bit pointless. It's two meters wide. It's a meter deep, and it's like the biggest like class signifier ever. I had one as a kid, and my folks have got one now, um, and it's always on. So it's this like it's it's made of like enamel. It's always on and always hot, and you have two or four little doors that you open and they're at a preset temperature you can't change them and then on the top there's like hobs but they're like not hobs they're like this they're like the size of a fucking bigger than an lp (laughs) god you can't even compare an argo to anything can you it's like two foot across this circle and it's got this big heavy lid and you lift it up and you put the kettle on and they're incredibly inefficient they're massively expensive to install and run and they're just a total flex it's like a posh flex and the backstory that i think you mentioned in previous poor lasses that our mate who is working class um wrote a comic about how when she was working from home and everyone was zooming in that she like kept seeing them in the background of people zoom calls and just being like wow okay yeah nice flex of like how much how much money you earn and then someone said this like really shitty anonymous dm of like what did he even say i think it was firstly like um your prejudice towards rich people is like as bad as racism it's like okay that's Lol, that no. is an opinion. <laughs> all argus matter it was like yeah, it was like get your argus facts straight and like you know some people people just save for an argus some people save for a holiday some people save for a car and i'm sure some they were like save for actually argus. it also heats the house blah 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 anyway i went and looked argus up today um and they are like what is it they use 50 times more energy than no, just a so it's it's um so it it's consumes 38 times as much as a standard gas oven and hob almost as much gas in a week as a standard gas oven and hob in nine months so i was like imagine right my mum's gone to chop up the gas with the car you know <laughs> the meter and she's like putting on a monthly amount and i'm like just times that by about 10 mum because we've got to heat the argo and like you know, to what benefit right here, just there's no benefit do you know <laughs> it's not it like you go Wikipedia oh pages. It, do you know it's not like there's a, there's a clear benefit so you go do you know what I'm willing to take a whole bag of 50p's down to to get this meter sorted yeah. like because it's really yeah. a benefit to me and my family like no you could just get a microwave or you could just get something cheaper like yeah. what the fuck well, yeah, and it's amazing. I think it's on the Wikipedia, but it's like uh, some Argo owners have pointed out that it has multiple uses and also does the job of uh, uh, more than one radiator and a uh, drying rack. <laughs> it's like, yeah, yeah fucking, you know you're reaching. Yeah, you can you can dry your socks over the rail, but like still... that in the kitchen it. watching Corrie. I need a radiator in the living room, yeah. not in the kitchen. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Or do I put my Argo in the, in the, in the, in the front room? So <laughs> don't mind that. It's just my radiator cum- cooker. I don't know how anyone defends an argo. Like honestly, having grown up with one, like the cat liked it because it was always hot. <laughs> it just sat on it. 
Yeah, and it's good if you've got damp laundry because it will dry it almost immediately. But I've got it. I I I don't think I've ever complained about this out loud before because it is so embarrassing. But like when I go and see my parents trying to cook anything on their argo is a fucking nightmare. It's like I know Crimea River, like the true suffering of twenty twenty. You have a ra- a roasting oven and a baking oven. That's what it's called. And I'm like, well, which one's 180 degrees, mum? And she's like, mm, start with the roasting oven and then move it to the baking oven after 10. <laughs> Fucking hell. And then when you have too much stuff in, it loses heat. So every Christmas, everyone has an argument because like we load it up with everything. And then it just like the heat plummets because it's got too much stuff in. And then like everything's raw and it's just like mum and oh my God, please just get a fucking normal Because there's no benefits whatsoever, for fuck's sake. It, it's, I might start <laughs> taking a microwave with me. little camping stove yeah just a camp my kelly kettle in the backyard um it's not a backyard it's a back garden thank you um (laughs) thank you very much yes (laughs) that's the thing that's the thing with an agar also is because there's no fucking temperatures in anything you end up cooking out with an agar cookbook which is like if you want to know where like unseasoned white person food comes from it's a fucking agar cookbook (laughs) and you know who's written a fucking specialist agar cookbook that's where mary berry comes from like i know everyone thinks that she's like sweet and endearing and has got a good line in tracksuit tops but like she's in the <laughs> belly of the beast man right <laughs> well on that note two hours of a podcast uh that, that might well be our longest one aside from the poor last live ones well my oh, horses aren't right. gonna feed themselves but that's I've it gotta get out to the stable <laughs> Send the housekeeper home. <laughs> yeah, the housekeeper is fuming. My bed is in the other wing and it's just so far away. <laughs> right, thanks for joining yeah, us, Kathleen. Well, now I'm watching Bake Off. Yes. Thanks, I'll see, yeah. you, see you all soon. I'll talk to you about Bake Off soon. Whoop! See you yeah. on the other internet that is not this call. <laughs> <laughs> See you later. See you later. Bye. Bye. Bye.